Hello there. You are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Crimson Peak. My name is Tom Chick, and I am here with Christian Maliski. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I actually would prefer to be known as uh, Mary Shelley. She died a widow. Oh, snap. Sick burn, dingus. And also with our Crimson Peak tagline, I'm a little afraid to find out where this is going, but we have Kelly Wand. What's that supposed to mean? I just, I, I don't, I, I don't know. Let's find out whether my fears are founded or not. It's like Red Planet, but smaller. <laughs> okay, good. Okay with that. I have no idea what you were thinking. I mean, there's a lot in the opsis that's kind of gross. So maybe, well, it might be appropriate. I mean, this is this certainly a, be an improvement. You thought there'd be a tagline based on Crimson Peak that would be blue. I don't know. Are there any runners up? So maybe we'll yeah. find out. Okay, what do you got? Uh, the thing that's cool about ghosts is that they're supposed to look CG. Oh, that's more of a sort of. They're all pretty innocuous. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Is there another? It'd be blue if it's crimson. Uh, it's like Tim Burton's The Shining. <laughs> that's a good one. Wow. Yeah, I'm sorry I ever doubted you, Kelly Wand. You, you can't have more than that good, do you? Uh, finally, a movie besides Interstellar and Take Shelter that taps into our universal fears of Jessica Chastain. Mm. Too long, Kelly. Go back yeah. to your shine joke. Yeah. You See, just, I think that one. You sort of Lindel offed it there. Ooh. You know, if it goes on long, it's going to eventually fall apart. It's, you know better, Kelly Wan. Damon Lindelof doesn't. I like the shining Always. one because it, it taps into our fear of long hallways. <laughs> Long hallways are scary, Dingus. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, neither does the movie. The Coen Brothers, by the way, that's one frightening long hallway in uh, in Barton Fink. Yeah, I'll show you the life of the mind. That's a long hallway for you. Yeah. I didn't know the mucus was supposed to be the wallpaper glue. Is that so your tagline? That's your tagline for Barton Fink. That's your impromptu. <laughs> oh, that's the thing you were worried I would say earlier. What's I didn't know. The, what's in the tissue box? I didn't know if there would be like a bodily fluids reference or something. I didn't know if you were going to like do a Donald Trump thing or something gross. I don't know. I don't know, Kelly. Who, who knows what you're going to do? It's it's yeah. a frightening thing for all of us. Uh, it gets pretty bad later. You'll see. Okay, good. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. You get your money's worth of depravity. So, uh, Kelly Wand, speaking of depravity, do you maybe have a three-by-three three you can use to pit me and Dingus against each other in a – in a, a sort of a, a deadly standoff in a battle. Oh yeah. Like like you read the synopsis and then me and Dingus has to guess what the, what the movie is and whoever guesses first gets to live and the other one has to die. Hmm. Oh wait, what? All right, Dingus is on board. Here we go. Once Nell arrives at the house, she argues politely with Mr. Dudley, the caretaker, to let her in. After minutes of arguing, she finally enters through the gates, where at the door she finds Mr. Dudley's wife, Mrs. Dudley. Moments later, Theo arrives and gives Nell with an awkward homophobic reaction. (laughs) After the two get to know each other a little better, they both go downstairs and explore and find the carousel room. Then they return to the main entrance and meet Luke, Dr. Marrow, and his two assistants, Mary and Todd. Wow. Mary Riley? 
What? Sorry. That would make no sense. There's no Todd in that movie. Are you crazy? Todd Riley, her cousin. Mary Todd and Lincoln. Once they get to dinner, once they get to dinner, they discuss insomnia issues and find out more about each other and learn what they'd be doing for the next few days. <laughs> is, it Agatha, is it an adaptation of an Agatha Christie novel? No, but I like that that's how wrong you are. <laughs> after all that, after a thousand words, you're like, yeah, it sounds a little... Uh, well, I guess Mary Riley, Riley, so... Yeah, but that, I mean, I, that I got. Tom's the crazy one of the bunch, <laughs> obviously. After dinner, Dr. Marrow leads his guests to a room to tell everyone the story of how Hugh Crane had built it for his wife and wished desperately for children, which all died at birth. Thirteen ghosts? Ah, uh, no. Right. But you're getting warmer. You, I, I think about the genre. After Dr. Marrow tells the story, his assistant Mary talks about how she can feel the evil everywhere and that there's more to the story. The As she goes to examine the piano, one of the strings snaps and cuts her, causing her and Todd to leave for the remainder of the movie. Wow. <laughs> quite a cut. Even, yeah, it makes another character leave. Literally. In addition. Boy, that does look bad. I'm getting out of here. Fuck that. As everyone gets ready for bed, He's the pianist, maybe. Dr. Marrow tells Luke how Hugh Crane's wife had killed herself in order to scare Luke. <laughs> Burnt off? Oh, no, no, that's not right. Not the others. Once upstairs, Luke occupies himself with a book and a candy dispenser, while Theo tries to get closer to Nell, and Nell reluctantly asks to go to bed. This sounds like a riveting movie. As Nell and Theo are in bed, Luke decides to wander around and is met by Dr. Marrow, who decides to talk for a while. <laughs> I love the phrase, Luke decides to wander around. Ed Vero decides to talk. He doesn't just talk. He goes, am I going to talk? Yep. As everything calms down for the night from this talking epidemic, Nell is startled by a screaming Theo in response to a constant mysterious banging on the walls. Tom, come on, you're—I don't think I know this. Kind of, I haven't seen it. There's no this, way that's possible. in your wheelhouse, Tom. I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I agree. Yeah, it's super. I don't think I've seen this. He's silent because he can't believe he can't get it either. He's like that. What? Nell and Theo cower at Nell yet. <laughs> but Mama Mama, hey? The next morning, everyone tries to talk things out. But Dr. Marrow assures everyone the coldness and noises were all due to the old plumbing. <laughs> I'm glad Tom can't get it because it keeps getting good. Cold and noises, Coldness and noises were due to the old plumbing, Tom. That doesn't spring a sparker. No, no. The next night as Nell is asleep, nothing happens. That's, that breakfast scene about the plumbing is the only event of the day. The movie encounters its first visual samples of paranormal activity. And Nell is encountered by ghostly figures taking forms through the bed, bad sheets and curtains. What's that Pat Wilson one that we saw? No. No? All right. As Nell and – that's The Conjuring. I didn't like it. Oh, Everyone sorry. else did. Typical feeling. As Nell and Luke are filling out papers for Dr. Marrow's research, uh, slow things down from the talking intensity scenes, Luke confides in Nell that Dr. Marrow must be up to something, and then he would get to the bottom of things. Luke soon wanders off. 
that's how he gets to the bottom of things. Talking about Theo leaving Nell alone, where she experiences more paranormal events. Not covered here. Everyone quickly rushes in to see what was wrong and finds Nell scared and concerned over what was happening in the house. <laughs> Damn you, Tom. I don't, I, I can't, by the way, are you reading a synopsis or the shooting script? <laughs> it's so weird how long it is, considering how uneventful both are. Isn't it? Yeah. While Dr. Merrill and Luke looked around to see what might have startled Eleanor... Look comes to a fright. Look comes to a frightening observation that the large portrait of Hugh Crane had been vandalized with blood. Reading "Welcome Home, Eleanor." Eleanor is appalled at the writing and demands to know who did it, but no one confesses, leaving tension between the characters. Tom just likes it, even though he knows what it is. I really don't. If I've seen if I had seen There's a movie no where way. somebody wrote in blood "Welcome Home, Eleanor," I'm pretty sure I would remember it. I don't think I've seen this. The group soon makes their way to the green room where they find a large, unstable spiral staircase and a fountain containing a large statue of Hugh Crane and some more statues of a woman surrounded by and children, children, children. It's not. Is it like one of the one of the there are two House on Haunted Hill movies? Is it one of those? Ah, see, those aren't the same thing. Well, I, I haven't seen either of them. I mean, I know there was a remake, and there was, like, some early 60s one. You don't know the Shirley Jackson novel and the name of it? Flowers in the Attic. Oh, gay Boy. That came out wrong. What's wrong with you? I don't know. I don't know it. Isn't Flowers in the Attic a Shirley Jackson novel? The Haunting. The Changeling. All right. The Haunting is the correct answer, so we don't have to hear anymore. I've never but, seen, what is isn't that an it, I don't know what that I've never seen that what I've the, that's the haunting of Hill House and the Bridget Wilson uh, Jeffrey Rush one is called it's the same thing Hill House and wasn't that one of those Joel Silver like thirteen ghosts and the the boat one and stuff uh, I thought it was one of those in that like cluster of horror Shirley Jackson related it's um. Why you get? Why doesn't? How come Dingus doesn't get guff for not knowing this one? He's not a horror buff. This is not my wheelhouse. How old is this movie? Uh, The Haunting was ninety eight, and it was Robert Zemeckis. I might add, House on Haunted Hill. Yeah, Yeah, The Haunting. What are you talking about? The Haunting. There's no movie from ninety eight. What's the actual title of the movie we're talking about? The Haunting. Right. It's a ninety. House on Haunted Hill is. That's a remake, though. Wait, wait. The Haunting of Hill House is Shirley Jackson, and House on Haunted Hill oh. is an unrelated Jeffrey Rush movie that you're thinking of. Okay, yeah. And a- yeah, right. That's what I'm thinking. I had no idea these were two separate things. Right. And then neither of them were, were the answer to the... But And then The Haunting was the thing with Catherine Zeta-Jones and Owen Wilson and Liam Neeson's a doctor. There's where too many survivors, and Lily Taylor's the main character. Yep, I oh, do. I, yeah. I've seen bits of that one. Uh they're pretty hard to watch, actually. There are two movies called The Changeling. One is a horror movie with George C. Scott, and the other is a, an Angelina Jolie. I think she directed it, a mystery kind of thing. So I do know that, Kelly Wand. Didn't Clint Eastwood? No, all right, never mind. Maybe he did. I thought Angelina Jolie directed a movie. No, you're right. There's yeah. something, something else. But it has nothing to do with the George C. Scott. So there's three Changelings, because I don't think it's right, too. The Clint there's not a Clint Eastwood Changeling? Maybe. Or there's a Clint Eastwood movie about a Changeling. 
Could be. No, it might be the youngling, or I can't remember. Hmm. All right, well, that's how much we know about movies. God, that was the worst conversation ever, even for the internet. That was worse than, like, Hugh and and Dr. Lori talking to each other on the stairs from your synopsis. It's like we decided to talk to one another. Wait, on Tomorrowland? No, in your synopsis, where the dude decides to talk to someone. I don't know, Dr. House or something? Wasn't there a Dr. House or something? (laughs) There. No, it was the haunting of Hill House, not a man named House. Oh my god, this is all terrible. Dingus, what movie did we... I thought we were out of it, and it somehow got even weirder. Wait, what else do you think? Yeah, I'm sorry, yes. We saw The Hill uh, with Sean Connery, directed by Sidney Lumet. (laughs) Tom, what did Dingus just say? That was directed by Walter Hill. Oh, my mistake. Uh, Good, good. Yep. 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 This week we actually saw Crimson Peak. Hmm. Finally. 2015 American drama fantasy horror gothic romance movie that is not a ghost story, but rather a story with a ghost in it. It was directed by Guillermo del Toro and written by him with Matthew Robbins. It stars uh, Tom Hiddleston, Bern Gorman, Jim Beaver, Charlie Hunnam, Mia Wasikowska, and Jessica Chastain. I feel like Charlie Hunnam is a guy who looks more like a Jim Beaver than anyone else in that movie. I feel like his name in the real world should be Jim Beaver. He looks like a Jim Beaver to me. Was this what he turned down Fifty Shades for? Do you know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of Richard Tyson. Do you know who that dude is? Uh, yeah, of course. No, he's like a he was a sort of a heartthrob-looking guy back in the eighties who. I don't, right. I don't really see uh, his, his famous movie is Two Moon Junction. And every time uh, uh, every time Charlie Hunnam comes on screen in this, I just think of Richard Tyson in Two Moon Junction for some reason. You can sort of see that. Yeah, like a, a young Richard Tyson. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Crimson Peak is rated R. Oh, yeah. For bloody violence. To the face. Some, As usual in a Del Toro movie. To the sink. Um, some sexual content. Hand job. <laughs> what? Are you just trying? Oh, yeah. What's going on over there? And I'm the ratings board. <laughs> and brief, strong language. Uh, the f bomb is dropped once. Yeah, it is. Yep. Yeah, uh, you you didn't fuck them, or she's like Jessica Chastain says something about it. he didn't fuck them, or. Oh right. She does yeah. drop an F bomb. It's it's a common fixture in Victorian ghost stories, Kelly Wand. I don't know if and you know Martian. Uh Dingus, did we see this movie? Just wanna uh, yes we did. We definitely did. The junctions in everyone's zone. So you went back and watched it? You didn't because I told you you didn't have to. I know I didn't have to, but I, I feel very strongly about your point of if you uh sleep through part of the movie or you leave to go to the bathroom, then you haven't seen the movie. How much of it did you sleep through? Uh, at least the last half hour, so I went back that night. When I left the house to go see at 11.15, uh, I went to go see it at night. Yeah. I you thought didn't pay night. again, did you? Or did you come up and sheepishly explained, uh, I slept through most of the screen and I paid for it. Can I come see it again? Did you do no, that? I know. I would have done that. They don't get refunds I would have done that. that the next morning. And you can tell the story of, of me being asleep during the last part of the movie. Restaurants uh, don't do. But no, I know that our local... Podunk Theater, 
at that time of night, the last show, they're concerned with closing up. They're not going to, they don't. Oh, you just walked in. You didn't. (laughs) No, I just walked right in. Right. Okay. And actually I went to the concession stand and I said, can I, can I get a beer or something? And they're like, nope, we're closed. So I just walked into the theater and watched the last half hour that I missed. Yeah. And you were like, if I can't get a beer, I'm not going to pay for a ticket either. Screw you guys. No, we already paid for tickets. I didn't have to pay again. I Mm, I could have slept through the first part though. And yeah, I don't know. Kelly one, how do you feel about that? If if you sleep through a movie, are you allowed to then see it again without paying? I guarantee you if I had gone to the manager and gone, Hey dude, I slept through the last part of the movie. Can I see it again? Can I just see the last 20 minutes? How much do I have to pay? Do we, can you prorate the last 20 minutes? He would have been like, I like that he, he felt he needed a beer just for 20 minutes of the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially this, this. But it was like he, the first time he saw it, he fell asleep during it. So now he's going to drink beer. Like, I could do this. I got this. I can stay awake <laughs> for 20 minutes. I actually almost a beer. fell asleep watching the last 20 minutes again. Hey, was the beer a liquid at room temperature? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I did go back that okay. very night again right. uh, for the 11.15 show and watch the last half hour that I missed the first time around. All right. So how did you know, by the way, did you – so you must have overlapped some of it. So you've technically seen this movie more than once. Yes, I've seen this movie at least 1.27 times. Right, right. Good. All right. Uh, see, this is sleep worth it. Yeah, well, everyone, that. he's seen this movie way more than we have, like at least percent more than we I can't have. believe it. Yeah. I feel like I just saw the shit out of it just once. You know who didn't see this movie, though? Alex. America. Ooh. What? Uh, it what are opened, they seeing? It opened, they're seeing, uh, for its opening weekend, it came in at number four behind Goosebumps, The mm. Martian, and mm. Bridge of Spies. Hmm. Oh. It only it only made thirteen million. Um, it is not doing well commercially uh, because next week, they're, they're, you know, it, there's no longevity for this. Like it's going to people who would have seen this will see the Paranormal Activity movie next week. Uh, it's sort of done at this point, which is kind of sad. Hmm. Uh, on Metacritic, the critical rating from the average uh, from various reviews on Metacritic is at sixty seven. Kelly Wan, you'll love this on Rotten Tomatoes. The percentage of reviews that are positive, 68. Oh. So close, right? Wow. Yeah. That's such a tease. Yeah. Kelly Wand, speaking of Which teases, one of those is right, though? I'm thinking. Well, they're, they're, they are different data points. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly Wand, maybe you could give us the events of Crimson Peak. If you haven't seen it, and if you're listening, you know, mo- the are you still talking to me? Uh, no, no, the listeners. The odds are the listeners haven't seen it, so we're warning you that Kelly Wand is going to spoil it by giving you a synopsis of the events of the movie. And he calls it a Crimson Picopsis. Oh. Did I get it close? You can't just – you don't just change a letter. I changed a couple. Picopsis. Like it was just P-I-K. I dropped several. I changed two vowels, and I dropped a letter. Okay, there's no K and there's no I in either. Wait, okay, wait. There is a K. I'll grant you that one. But there's no I in. All right, let's just go. <laughs> go, rock and roll. Crimson Peepsis. Oh, okay, I like that. Catherine Heigl's voiceovers is all ghosts. Don't get me started on those assholes, especially me mum. When I was just a dango, she caught something called black cholera, which apparently exists. Then the night of the funeral, just as I was settling in for a nice, happy, relaxing sleep. 
I got something crimson peak. Ugh, a skeleton with long black claws moaning at me. Mom hasn't changed a bit since this morning. I'll show her. I'll shut my bedroom door on her. Ghosts have no answer for doors. What the? I said something crimson peak. <laughs> yeah, I heard you do the first time when you were all the way down the hall there. You don't need to get into bed with me and grope me. Although, if you are, maybe a little down and to the left. Like this Aww. fruit of <laughs> like the Zapruda film, she adds, Dingus. Sorry. <laughs> Down to the left. Beware, Crimson. Actually, you won't know it's called that until too late. Maybe I should be more specific. Although, you get a book out of it, it turns out fine. So go to Crimson Peak, but make sure you're discreet about replacing the key ring. And don't drink the tea also. Don't overwater my begonias. Hello? But Heigl's asleep. The next day, this terrifying experience has inspired her to write a romance novel, so she goes to a stairwell with some women in it. The stuck-up one of the bunch is all, Well, well, look who it is, Catherine Heigl. Ha ha, you died on a show set in a hospital and made a movie called One for the Money that made no money. The social climber of the group's all, Speaking of which, did you hear Loki's coming to town to pitch a clay-moving dump truck contraption to Catherine Heigl's dad? I heard he was a duchess. Heigl's all, yeah, yeah, you stupid twats blocking me stairs. Out of me way. The other mean one's all, I hear you played Jane Eyre. She died a spinster. Heigl's all, she married a blind man with telepathy. Besides, I'd rather be Mary Shelley. She died a widow. She stalks off. The women are all, oh, yeah, widows are pretty awesome. She got us. She goes up to a man's office, hands him a novel she wrote, then sits across from his desk and watches him read the entire thing in one sitting. He's all, adjectives, ghosts. Well, your handwriting's good, nice looping periods, and you use pink ink for your semicolons, that's correct, and your tits aren't bad, but it needs a love story. That's what men want to read. She goes home fuming. Stupid, sexist, Victorian, fuckwad editorial shit. Love stories. It's not even a story, is it? It's titillation without a money shot. Check, please. Her dad's Dabney Coleman. He's all, yeah, well, (laughs) everybody falls in love constantly, dear. (laughs) Even me. And uh, I met your mother. At least the sex is better now. Although it's a little annoying, she keeps asking me to tell you to beware, yada, yada. She also wants me to get a softer shaving sink. What a shrew. Anyway, here, this phallic Chekhov's pen will distract you from sexism. She's all, nah. She invents a typewriter instead. She takes it to an office and types her novel all day while she's at work. Kind of like me right now. One day she goes to pee finally, and when she comes back, Loki's at her desk, reading the last page of her novel. He has tears in his eyes and tears in his pants, and vice versa. He's all, this is the best and only novel I've ever read. She's all, fuck off, give me that, asshole. He's all, say le <laughs> I'm Countess Loki of Red Mud Castle, a.k.a. something I won't tell you yet. I'm here to trick some bearded old fool to give me money by showing him a model of a clay-moving machine I'm not carrying right now. I've heard he's a boring septuagenarian idiot just like his daughter. 
<laughs> a more mannish Amanda Seyfried. So those kind women sneering on the stairwell there just informed me quietly a few moments ago. Yeah, well, I find you intriguing also, but you better not be British. Me father hates that. Actually, I'm punctual. He hates that even more. She leads him upstairs to an office with beards in it. Let's herself out, then lets herself back in, opens the door, and stands there with her arms folded watching. Three hours later, and that's what a machine is. I'd like to invest $10 billion in it immediately and also use it to write me next novel. Her dad's all, yeah, honey, thanks. Uh, Countess Loki, what you really have here is a toy. <laughs> all the other old men laugh approvingly. Loki's face falls. And not even a good toy. Kids don't want to just move the clay anymore. They want Play-Doh barbershops and kitchen appliances so they can pretend it's hair or food. But, sir... They give him a couple minutes, but he doesn't continue. So the dad's all, uh, it also seemed a little necessary to have all this red clay brought in here just to demonstrate. We could have just used the cigar ash. Plus, I don't get why we'd want to help you landscape. Well, there's also another machine I need to help me get a bunch of Legos buried in my backyard. That's even more expensive. And I also have blueprints for something to handle the snow hole in my roof. It's called a Dyson Sphere. That night at home. But, Father, why didn't you give him all our money? The man's clearly a genius. Didn't you see how dusty his clothes were? Just something about him I didn't like, Pumpkin. Maybe it was the bumper sticker on his stagecoach when he left that he said, Winnie, if you like fucking sisters. <laughs> Preposterous. How would a horse even be able to read that? Although a horse did come in this afternoon and pitch a clay-moving machine that we're moving forward with. But no literate equines. Good Christ. This is 1898, not 1904. She's all, but father, when she doesn't continue, he leaves for a party she's not invited to. Heigl sits on her bed, opens up a book, and looks at a picture of the Crimson Peak movie poster. She's all, hmm, from the ride of a Pacific Rim. Her mom's ghost begins rising out of the chamber pot. It's all, honey, by the way, have I told you to beware of anything today? I zoned out. Loki opens her bedroom door and goes, Hey, I let myself in. Want to go to a ball with me? He looks at the mom's ghost. Unless you're in the middle of something. God, no, let's go. But I have nothing to wear. And me hair. Oh, wait, never mind. I'm ready. They go to a thing. <laughs> After dancing together for a couple of minutes, they fall in love. <laughs> Tom's silent with rage. Yeah, I'm enjoying this. All right. <laughs> Wait a <minute>. Next. <laughs> it's the 1890s. They just knew how to get ready faster. Because they had nothing else to do. Except get ready for shit. The next day, he takes her to a moth park. He's all... And this is my sister, Cersei. I mean, Bryce Dallas Howard. She played piano last night a few inches from a soft screen for a while. Bryce, this is Catherine Heigl. She's a woman. Bruce Dallas Howard's all... I thought we agreed you'd seduce the fat one this time. <laughs> I mean, hello, Heigl. The displeasure is all mine. Loki whispers to her for a minute. Bruce Dallas Howard screams, sobs, looks at Heigl, mouths the C-word, then finally pulls off her giant ruby ring and throws it spitefully at Loki's feet. He picks it up, wipes off some of the dead moths and red clay, 
and then puts it on Heigl's finger and goes, My sister suggested you and I get married at once. She and I will have a late-night conference with your father tonight to tell him the good news without you, followed by an engagement party we'll insist on him holding afterwards. Bruce Dallas Howard picks up a butterfly and abstractedly caresses Heigl's eyeball, boob, and nostril with it. She's all, Blonde things are so fragile. Heigl's all, Oh, do you have butterflies where you come from? Now that we'll be living together for decades, that's the first thing I should know. Bruce Dallas is all, Even better, we have black moths. Heigl's all, Oh, what do they eat? Bruce is all, Butterflies. She rests the butterfly on the ground. It forgets it can fly as block moths. Black moths show up and start eating it. Some of the other park goers watch for a second and start vomiting in disgust. Heigl's all, eh, well, this grass we're sitting on sure is nice at least. Bruce Dallas Howard's all, where we live, red, red. God damn it. Ugh. I mean... Where we live, red mud oozes inexplicably up from the ground constantly like blood sewage from a circus swamp. Red mud begins bubbling out of the ground, drenching their clothes and horrifying the park goers some more. One guy doing a wheelie on a penny-farthing bicycle slips in the mud and crashes into an old-fashioned merry-go-round with live horses. A man in a straw hat and a woman with parasol are all, Yeah, could you guys tell your friend there to stop talking, please? That night, Loki and Bruce Dallas Howard find Heigl's dad's darkness room by tripping down some stairs. They get up and dust themselves off and go, You wanted to see us? We want to marry your daughter, by the way. Dabney Coleman saw, Yeah, that's not happening. I had my dark-clothed assistant discover your dirty little secret, since I hate reading newspapers. He hands Loki an envelope and goes, Here's the evidence on you he found. Loki opens the envelope and goes, $40,000? The dad's all, Ugh, fuck, I handed you the wrong one. Uh, this is your hush money. Here, here's the secret evidence one. Since saying what's in it would be a spoiler, let's just say this is not the faith I envisioned for my daughter. My wife's ghost and I, uh, sort of going back and forth on that. But also, I just don't want you to leave town tomorrow. I want you to be an asshole tonight to her. My life's very boring. Loki makes his Hulk just hit me face. Chastain's all. Wait, why am I here? That night on the stairs. You'll leave in town for our wedding day. Oh, I thought you were different from other duchesses. He's all. Well, you're a stupid bitch. Fuck you. And by the way, I was kidding before when I said I liked your writing. The loops on your periods look ridiculous. Pink for semicolons is an atrocious choice, and the ghost looked far too CG. She's all, I loved you when you lied to me and told me I'm brilliant. This isn't as good. He slaps her and runs downstairs. The dad makes the same infuriated face he made in 9 to 5 when Jane Fonda made a Xerox machine work too efficiently. The next day, a maid brings Heigl breakfast in bed, then a few minutes later comes back in, smiles wisely, and goes, By the way, do you want to see the letter Mr. Loki paid and kissed me to give you? Heigl's all, Yeah! What is this? <laughs> She's just into that guy, I guess. Changes her accent. The maid smiles again and goes, I thought you'd say that, miss. That's why I folded it up and fried it into your eggs. Heigl looks at her empty plate and goes, They did taste a bit inky. The maid smiles again and goes, I thought you'd say that, miss. So I made a copy. She hands her another sheet of paper and walks out. Heigl's voiceover reads in Loki's voice. Dear Heigl, I was kidding again. Your book's awesome. I'm standing behind you. She lowers the letter, turns around, and there he is. They kiss. He puts the ring on her finger and goes, 
There are a bunch of inscriptions on the back of this that are rubbed out. Ignore those. She's all. I can think of something I wouldn't mind rubbing out. A man comes in, borrows a hat from somebody, looks at her gravely, and takes the hat off. She's all, Father! No! The next day, her blonde friends all, Catherine, it is I, your doctor friend. I always assumed we would marry, so naturally your recent announcement took me aback, aghast, and aghast. She's all, yeah, yeah, get on with it. i got a wedding funeral to plan. Is that your wedding ring? It has a lady's finger bone stuck to it. Look, I'm starting to find your jealousy tiresome. I'm at a dissolute bad boys, all right? Maybe there's some girls interested in, what are you again? I don't listen. Uh, doctor, which is why I really think you should let me examine your father's body here. Statistically speaking, people don't trip and bash their face into a sink quite this hard or this many times on accident. (laughs) I learned this in my 11th year. Just allow me to turn him over for a second and study the wound. In fact, hold on, I'm picking up a faint heartbeat. Someone hand me a mask and a hacksaw. It might not be too late to save the beard. Get away from him, you butcher. The next day, she gets married and takes a stagecoach to a castle sinking in red mud. Loki has her carry him over the threshold. He's all, isn't this great? She's all, as long as this place don't have any stupid ghosts, I'll cope. What's with all this red clay, anyway? You should call a plumber. He's all, oh, that's just something unexplained. It's why the local tribes, people, and animals call this hovel Crimson Peak, even though it's not a mountain and the crimson pot's underground. They're idiots. Say plumber? Uh, no. Incidentally, my mum's ghost warned me not to come near a place called Crimson Peak, but I'm reasonably certain it was a different one. Now and her. Bryce Dallas Howard springs up behind them with a tea tray and goes, Who wants tea? <laughs> Catherine, all three cups are for you. A dog walks on screen and pees red clay on Heigl's foot. She's all, Oh, look, a doggy. Let's keep uh, him, looks like. She grunts and adjusts her grip on Loki's butt because she's still carrying him. Can I put you down now, darling, so I can hold me teacup? Now! Also, no basementing. That wedding night... I'm sorry, I just can't yet. I'm still grieving for your father. Plus, your mother's ghost is sitting right there in that rocking chair watching us, and now disrobing. Oh, ma'am, please don't get into bed with us. Ah, quit being such a prude. Look, it's not easy for me either with your bloody sister here. Shh, dear, here, drink your tea. It's bitter almond-flavored. Like Nutella. Why don't you two drink any tea? They both laugh at her. She's all right. I'm going to wander around in the dark for a bit. Don't let mum haunt your ear off. Heigl strolls down some unlit hallways, farting. A female torso squirms out of the carpet and paddles towards her. Heigl, something, something, peek. Ugh, get a life. Oi, an elevator. Hmm, an enormous red button that says basement. Been on that date. The elevator goes down. Hmm, six jacuzzis full of red snot with bodies in them. So far, Loki's still just exactly who I thought he was. Wait a minute, what's this? Tape recordings and black and white pictures of other women? Guess I'll just hit play. The recording's probably already queued right to the pertinent section. Click. Help, Loki's a liar. He's sleeping with his sister. The tea's poisoned. My body's in the clay jacuzzi. I'm the torso that haunted you earlier because your mom's ghost was feeling tired. Help! 
Heichel's all, hmm. Thoughtfully, she threads on the six other wires, spooled to the six other black and white pictures of Victorian women labeled murdered wife number one, MW number two. Then she hits play on all six at the same time. The room fills with the shrill screams of six Victorian women all going, help, help, I say, help. Heigl shuts it off. She's all, hmm. Then she turns it back on and listens to the din for a bit while she drinks her tea and admires her ring. Meanwhile, back in Winnetka, the platonic doctor friend is handed an envelope by a different dark-jacketed man. He opens it and finds a newspaper with Loki on the front page. The headlines all, Red Clay Sinking Castle of Known Serial Murderer and Sister. Incest not suspected yet. He's all, damn it! He picks up a telegraph machine and screams, get me the nearest sleigh to Europe! Meanwhile, back under Crimson Peaks, Honey, so what's the story with the skeletons and the jacuzzis in the basement? Oh, those? My darling, don't be silly. Those are simply from my work. You don't have a job. Uh, you know what? Let's go out. But there's a blizzard out there. Loki gets a snifter of wine and sniffs it. He grins sexily and goes, The real blizzard's in my pants right now. Ha, oh, you remind me of my father. But I think you should be aware I'm smudged with red clay from when I slipped and fell into three of the jacuzzis on my way out. Hmm, well, the red of the clay, the sweet of the juice. That night at the Prancing Pony. Oh, if they, you weren't kidding about the blizzard. I thought me tongue would never get unstuck. Yes, Mrs. Bluebeard, number three's nickname for it was also Crimson Peak, although mostly due to my kidney stones. Well, I'm just glad our domestic problems are solved. I can't wait to see the look on your sister's face tomorrow when I tell her how milky white your ass was even before the candle wax. The next morning, you slept with him. <sighs> Bruce Dallas Howard begins mashing pancake batter with her fingers in some kitchen flames. Come on, he's me husband. Besides, you already had him all to yourself in the womb back when he was in his prime. Don't be greedy. The front door bangs open. It's the platonic doctor friend. Heigl's all staunches. Kenneth, Heigl. Yes, I know who I am, just as I know who you are, the fiercely independent woman I love, which is why I've come to save you. Now then, Loki, Bruce Dallas, although I realize you're both serial murderers, I shall now turn my back on you while I carry Catherine here off to the safety of the blizzard in quicksand. <laughs> For where I come from, America, a man's word is his bond. <laughs> why didn't a ghost warn me? <laughs> Stupid ghosts. Later upstairs. Okay, who's looking for some red clay tea? Now where is she? I had her neck chained to the bed five minutes ago. It's over, Bryce. I've decided I'm exactly enough in love with her to poison her up to a point and let you kill a father and lie to her about liking a novel. Heigl steps out of the closet holding a pen. She's all, what? Bryce tells <laughs> her hair out, claws the walls, and screams, How could any man love her over me? She stabs Loki in the eye with a knife. Heigl's all, The whole book? He slides the knife out. He's all, Look, this is no time for foreplay. He dies. Heigl stabs Bruce Dallas in the boob with her pen, then instead of finishing the job, or possibly just getting a little ahead of herself, she runs outside and grabs a shovel. Eventually, Bruce Dallas shambles out into the snow. Together, they turn on the clay machine while they chase each other around it. Because <laughs> the snow makes noise when you run around. The clay machine's drowning it out. It also the tracks. Finally, Bruce Dallas is all, This is only going to end with you alive, or me in a coma, or... 
ghost behind you. <laughs> Please. Why would a ghost wanting to help you appear behind me if I knew how incredulous I am? The dead aren't idiots, Catherine. It's Loki. Oh, well, probably. <laughs> I suppose I have no choice then. Ow, I didn't even turn around yet. I heard you the first time. Six months later. Mm, excellent hearts on your semicolons. Nice flowers dotting your eyes. Good hoods upon your gold leaf. Love story between the clay machine and the blonde doctor seem both inevitable and excruciating. I think it's a masterpiece. It have a title? I was thinking either Untitled 2 or Straight Out of Crimson. Unless you can do something better. I look over at Captain Hook and go, I can think of something better. Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> the end. Hey, you, Kelly Wine. No. <laughs> Epic. Wow. It's the ones you least suspect. So as I was watching this, Kelly Wine, I was thinking it was right up your alley. Am I wrong or right? What do you mean? I, you know, I don't hate it. I don't, I, I feel, I don't want to hate any Del Toro movie. Like, even Hellboy 2. I'm like, well, he is, he has a good heart. I was thinking more of the Victorian setting, because I know, like, you, you like Arthur Conan Doyle. Uh, you've, you've read to me passages from Sherlock Holmes before. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember you, that, but you, right. <laughs> you seem like the kind of guy who would respond to a traditional Victorian ghost story. What if this is you under the mistletoe, first off? <laughs> but, I mean, I like gothic stuff, and I was excited about the period piece. I mean, I've read, I think I read a couple negative reviews of this saying, it's not scary. And it's like, well, it's, I don't think it's supposed to be scary. It's just a gothic. I mean, uh, you know, the characters are kind of dumb. They just don't kill the right, they don't kill uh, Bryce Dallas Howard soon enough. So by that standard, that's how those gothics are, though. Like, no one does the obvious thing. It's kind of right. like a sitcom. Jane Eyre is like uh, Laverne and Shirley. It takes you the whole book to go, all right, and telepathy for them to, like, kind of get together. But he has a sister in the walls. That's the thing. There's no really good twists in Crimson Peak. I think I, I was kind of hoping for some something lurid rather than what. Okay. Uh, it looks great. It's, you know, it's what is what it is. <laughs> so is, that, is that your review? It is what it is? Well, there are not many things you can say that about, Dingus. Not many things are this with this. Is, is this uh, Dingus? So, did you? Uh, when did you? When you went back the second time? Because I think you might have missed a scene. Uh, when, when we saw it the first time, or when we saw it, you, you had to get up and go take a call or something, and you were gone for a pretty crucial scene. And I don't know if you then saw that scene when you came back to see the end of the movie. Uh, what was I gone for? So you didn't. When I make a, a reference about a hand job, that doesn't mean anything to you. <coughs> Oh, you did miss that. Tom stuck his leg. What? He so missed the handjob? He missed the handjob, and, and, and Dingus, I guess you didn't see Mia Vasakowska take the fall, like into the little lump of snow at the center of... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, oh. I saw that. Oh, you did see that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's I, towards I the last yeah. Oh, so then did you see what precipitated that fall, though? Yeah. Oh, so then why... why? Okay, so you did see the handjob. Yeah, it's just weird to hear you say that word. Oh, okay. Uh, it, it freaks me out when you... When you uh, when you shuffle off your southern gentlemanly thing and do and say things like hand job. What's wrong with the words hand and job? There's nothing wrong with those two words. Uh, it's so then you, that you are usually very precious about those types of things. You got back then, uh, when you went and saw it a second time, you got back then before that stuff. Like you saw, it seems like you saw the second half of the movie a second time. Almost. Basically, yeah. I mean, I okay. tried to get back early enough to be able to do that. And it's easy with our theater because there's 
there's about 20 minutes of uh, trailer buffer. So, you know, the the last showing of the night was 1115. That's another beer. So I could <laughs> so I could get back. Uh, you know, basically, when I write it up in my journal, it, it shows that I've seen the movie over two days. So I've seen this movie one, <laughs> 1.27 times. Uh, what's your feeling about it? I think it's a I, – I, I don't – I mean, I'm sort of going to be in the in the camp of the people that Kelly's making fun of where, you know, it's that scary. Uh, I, was, I was kind of expecting to – to get scared, and there was a time, and I would hate to see a movie that would scare me, that I couldn't stand to go see that, but that's what I was expecting to happen, um, and anything that I think that was trying to be scary wasn't at all. All that stuff at the end of the hallway with uh, the mama ghost like coming down the hallway. Uh, the ghosts are trying to help her, though. That's the thing. Yeah, like, there's... I, I get that now, but I think early on, you're at least supposed to be creeped out. I don't I don't. I, I don't. I don't like anything that's going on in this movie at all. I don't like the way it looks. Um, it looks okay, I guess. You didn't like the acting. You didn't like Tom Hiddleston's acting. I was relieved when he showed up. He's fine. Uh, Dingus vocally in the theater. Dingus went, "Oh, like that." Yeah. As soon as Tom Hiddleston walks on screen. Yeah. yeah it, 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 he ejaculated verbally. I did. Oh, a verbal ejaculation. You did it in Andrew Dice Clay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did. I, I did an Andrew Dice Crimson Clay. Ah, um, uh, that's uh, good. Because I did not know he was going to be in the movie, and and it was very exciting to me. He has uh, to play a really tough role too. Unfortunately, I mean, I love Mia Vazakowska, but she felt like I don't know. She felt like a TV actress. I don't know. I, I didn't get a thing that um, Jessica Chastain was doing. Um, it just. <sighs> It just felt it's just a bunch of flapping and and sort of dense liquid. I, I I it wasn't scary to me. It wasn't enough of atmospheric to to catch my attention. Um, I'm not going to blame the movie on me falling asleep. That's my fault, and that's why I went back to see the let the, the later part of the movie. I'm never going to blame a movie for me falling asleep. That's my fault. Um, it it I just I, I don't get it. I don't get what the movies supposed to be about and and maybe part of it is that uh i guess a gothic romance movie isn't my thing but but even that isn't an excuse because any movie is my thing if it's well done enough uh, but this movie i mean i love Guillermo del Toro but this doesn't do anything for me this movie does absolutely nothing for me uh I think there are going to be a lot of people who, and, and critically, I mean, you look at the reviews, you look at how little money it made. I think thing is, a lot of people are going to agree with you. Uh, yeah, that's because uh, I my a lot of my experience watching this was uh, it's really ballsy of Del Toro to to make a traditional. I don't I don't think gothic. I mean, you could. I, I don't want to get too like, ooh, I majored in English, because I didn't even major in English. <laughs> but I don't think this is gothic. I mean, there are gothic elements, but this is a straight-up standard, no deviation. And Kelly Wan, you mentioned no surprises, and I I think he's trying to be a little more lurid than the standard Victorian ghost story. But this is a straight-up standard, by-the-numbers Victorian ghost story. Right. With, with no – and, and I, I could not believe that's what he was doing as it unfolded. Uh, and I, I kind of – you know, if this is what the guy wants to do, I really respect that. And, you know, he does something that's hugely commercially successful, 
well, relatively, uh, like like uh, Pacific Rim. And then he goes and does a Victorian right. ghost story. That's amazing to me, and I love that about him. Right. How it, can can you explain that to me? How is this a ghost story? I mean, I mean, well, Victorian ghost story. Like, like I mean, they they kind of laid out even in the. It's very self aware, and they lay it out yeah. in in the movie. A Victorian ghost story. Like you look at Turn of the Screw, for instance. It's just a story that happens to have a ghost in it, and they even right. joke about that. Um, right, 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 right. And and so as I was watching this too. And I think this is also like the, the famous debate in Turn of the Screw is like, is the ghost even real or is the governess crazy? Like ghosts in these stories aren't ghosts that we know today. They don't do t- terrible things. Like as I was watching this, I was convinced this was going to be something like um, Devil's Backbone. Now, have you guys seen Devil's Backbone? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I do too. So Devil's Backbone, uh, because of its Spanish Civil War setting, it's the, the orphanage. Like I love parts of it, but what Devil's Backbone does is it has these ghosts. It's going along for a while as being a story that has ghosts in it, but the ghosts end up uh, basically saving the kids. Like they actually act in the physical world. Yeah. Um, you think too of The Shining, by the way. One of the really ballsy things about The Shining is that the ghosts let Jack Nicholson out of the freezer. You can't just say this is a movie about Jack Nicholson going crazy. There are ghosts in that movie that have an effect on the world. Victorian ghost stories, like they just show up and scare somebody or give somebody information. Uh, so I was convinced at some point that a ghost was going to do like a devil's backbone and come in and save Mia Vazakowska. But no, he didn't even do that. Right. It's a story that has ghosts in it. And even, you know, no avenging ghost comes out and murders Jessica Chastain, which I think is what the audience expects and what you sort of think right. is going to happen in a modern horror movie. And this doesn't do that. It's so traditional. Yeah, okay. Victorian ghosts haunt the right people, and modern ghosts just haunt the innocent. Yeah, they, like the, they're, they're, they're like a, it's, it's like yeah, like the horrors of the modern era. Yeah. The, the, the innocent get killed, and that's not it how anything about it. Yeah. That's, that's not how Victorian England looked at the world. Is that everything was right and just, and we're running an empire, and isn't it great? And our morals and values are correct, and no ghost is just going to randomly fuck with people. It's only going to go after people who deserve it. And but he makes then, it clear that the ghosts are an actual thing. It's not in somebody's head. I mean, he makes that clear. Right, but they don't touch the world. Like, they don't right. – they right, can't right, manipulate right. – yeah. you know, they fiddle with the doorknob. But even when when Tom Hiddleston comes back at the end, he can't do anything to save Mia Vasikowska. And when she touches him, like, that's even a weird moment. She yeah. kind of feels him, but then she, get ghost, she gets ghost on her hand, and he's not really there. Like – the ghosts aren't physical flesh and blood things that will kill people or open doors to let Jack Nicholson out of the freezer. Right, but it's clear that that is that they are there. It's not somebody in somebody's head. Absolutely, I mean, absolutely. He shows us. He shows us that they are there. Well, and I think too, turn of the screw. I don't think Henry James ever meant to make a story about a mad governess. I mean, I think that okay, that's. Yeah. Uh, but something about the the gothic literature that I that always sort of annoyed me is the same thing that it's like a trapping of the genre is where there's like a big prophecy or there's a, everyone ignores what the ghost says like she doesn't like do research and go oh I better figure out what Crimson Peak is since the ghost told me about it even though she's a writer and like in Frankenstein it's like I'll be with you on your wedding night so the first thing he does is get married you know what I'm saying like they well, don't really. In the modern horror movies, they try to get out of it. They struggle more. I mean, and you're right when they do, like, and you're right about Charlie Hunnam's character is he just shows up and lets him kill. Yeah. yeah. Um, right, right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Like, people are basically just manipulated by the plot, and, yeah, they, they're they not they're not necessarily plausible character studies. 
That was seen as foreshadowing, I think, at the time. But what? now it's just like... Just like uh, if a ghost says, beware of Crimson Peak, and the character goes, that's oh, right, crazy. Right. And then right. 30 years pass, and they go, wait, where am I? Well, part Did of I it, make it too, Kelly Wan, I think it, 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 narratively, uh, the warning is more for the audience. Uh, it's to create a sense of dread, is that... <laughs> to beware of going to this movie. Well, no, to, uh, to, to like create this sense of dread that the protagonist, yeah. something terrible is going to happen. If the protagonist heeded the warning, you wouldn't have a story. Right. No, I know. But then you she set up the protagonist. Be curious about it at all, either. Right. Right. And she's supposed to be. They kind of remold. They mold sure, her sure. as a, as a Mary Shelley, like a, you know. Well, there now, there is there. there are definitely some anachronisms here, and I think her being the spunky enlightened woman who does the sick burn to the uptight broads on the stairs that you were making fun of. Right. I got, a lot of that did feel like, oh, we've got to have a modern heroine, which, I, you know, I'm okay. I, well. So here's, but that's really subtle. I mean, you know. Well, that's the thing I wanted to say is that what what I feel Del Toro brought to this and and what he wanted to do, and where I think it sets itself a little bit apart from a traditional Victorian ghost story, uh, is with some of the gore. Uh, like I don't know that in Victorian England you would have a story about incest, for instance. I don't know that I can't think of anything like like it was such a big deal in Jane Eyre. That he has his wife, right. that he was previously married, you know. That was like the big twist. Well, and she's the living. Is right, well, the that, house. right, right. And that she was the mad woman locked in the house. Yeah. But if she had been his sister, like, I, I don't, maybe there are stories where there's incest, but I think Del Toro wanted to make it more lurid than a traditional. That's story. what they would have done back then, though, if they could have, I think. You're probably like, right. Uh, probably right. But it, it would have caused, like, it would have been like like underground literature. So I don't, I don't know. This, they but now it's Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's kind of familiar now. So I think Del Toro wanted to bring something more lurid, and I think what he really wanted to do, and I, I enjoy this. I could have – this is a movie that I could have watched for another hour if that hour had consisted of two women with their hair down in these billowing nightgowns running around these beautiful sets wielding knives and cleavers in this like bloody confrontation. I could have watched another hour of that. Like I, I loved the visual of that. I loved these two women being completely like, like unhinged and desperate. Uh, you know, that's not a standard Victorian thing. Uh, we should call it cleaverage. I would go with that. Sure, Kelly Wand. Uh, actually, here's another thing. Uh, if this had been like a Hammer horror movie, mm-hmm. conspicuously missing from this was any cheesecake. There's a yeah. brief moment where Jessica Chastain first lunges at, at Mia Wasikowska. That the the, the gown is kind of clean to her and looks kind of hot like you see her her breast yeah but you're not supposed to be i I agree but i I kind of yeah it it definitely wasn't going for it like cleavage or decolletage like it wasn't trying to be hot um instead i think it was trying to be bloody and gory Uh, yeah i think that's what i would have have minded hot too oh i'm with you 110 percent. yeah but if he just wanted to do gory i was totally okay with that uh if he wanted to have traditional 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 95% 95% traditional, and then just make it super bloody at the end, which I think w- what he was going for. I'm okay with that. Uh, so anyway, needless to say, I, I, I didn't love this. It, 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 in a way, it wasn't for me. I don't care about Victorian ghost stories. Uh, but I love that he made this movie. Uh, I will say that. Uh, and I'm kind of with Angus in that it's not really for me, but man, more power to him. Uh do you think I liked the acting more than Dingus did, I think. I did, too, because I could watch me because I, I kind of think Mia Wasikowska is kind of getting a little typecast as this... Uh, yeah, Alice. Girl. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, Alice, Jane Eyre. Um, she's so good and so contemporary in um, 
in, in treatment. Uh, I just want to see her do that kind of stuff more. That's what happens, though. Yeah. And, and, and that's what it's like. And if it's a success, that's what happens. Well, it's also really tough, I think, for an actress. Like, uh, you know, yeah. she's, she's a brilliant actress, and right, yeah. she's yeah. only going to have – I mean, the opportunities available to someone like her versus some dipwad like Charlie Hunnam, it's a completely right. different game for the two of them. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of an annoying. But so I'm with you, Kelly. One, I loved watching Tom Hiddleston. I loved uh, what Jessica Chastain was doing. I did too. Oh I my god, so- I was so into that. Kelly, one, you say like you wished you could have been hotter. I was totally okay with how weird and hot she was. No, I loved her delivery, and yeah. and, and like you're, I love that Del Toro made this after Pacific Rim. Like I love that I just saw The Martian, and then I, I get to see Chastain next week in this movie. Oh right. See, I didn't even think of that. Like I wasn't watching this thinking, oh, it's the Commander. Yeah, uh, and this was the second one. So it kinda, can you, you guys flesh that out for me? Uh, I mean, what do you like about what she's doing? I love her voice. I don't. I don't get any of what you're talking about. Is but in particular about Jessica Chastain, and I want to hear you guys talk about that. Uh, I loved her voice. I loved how she did this like uh, this super contained, just quiet, subtle. Kind yeah. of quietly, like you need yeah. some seething going on there, but she wasn't kind of letting it through. Uh, what about when she, when uh, Mia Wasikowska goes, "I'm here at the new house, and I, I'm looking forward to any any home with warmth, love, and respect." And then Chastain goes, "We'll start with warmth." But I think <laughs> it's like, and, and those are all easy lines. Like those are yeah. all. I know she says them. No, so I know, and she's playing yeah. with him, and she knows right. it. And I think it's great dialogue to for for what she's doing and the way she's yes. doing it. Um, so, so that's part of it. And I also think too, like I watch this, one of the things I thought watching this is I will never again confuse Jessica Chastain and Bryce Dallas Howard (laughs) this year having, uh, uh, Crimson Peak and Jurassic World. Like Jessica Chastain, this is, she was so good in Zero Dark Thirty, uh, and she's so good in this doing two completely different kinds of performances, uh, that I just feel like she's... I, I just got a sense from this. Oh yeah, she is talented. I agree with you that she's totally talented, and I won't. We discovered her. Lose those two because I had to watch Jurassic World again just the other day. Ew! What? Um, yeah, because because uh, my son wanted to watch it. We were flying back from Virginia. Oh, I thought he'd see LA. it. He had seen it, but he wanted to see it again. Um, so we watched it on the flight back, and she's just. I mean. She's kind of vapid. Um, yes. I mean, part of it is the writing, but she's just there's there's not a there's not a whole lot there. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say for this movie, but for The Martian, I mean, I love what Jessica Chastain is doing. That and she doesn't have a whole lot to do as far as the script is allowing her to do. But I think she's doing a ton of great stuff in The Martian. Um, I'm why well, ask you guys uh, what's the big deal with her here is that I just. I just don't feel like there's a lot going on with the characters in there. She looked way different. She yeah. was one of the, she was the character whose essence was the most like solid in the movie. Like yeah. she was the instigator of every plot point. And not only uh, that, Kelly one, you're so aware that there's something different going on with her. Yeah. It's, it's a super playful performance. Yeah. It, it does give her a lot to do with the script, and she she knows it. Uh, and there's so much mystery with that character. And yeah, you're right, Kelly one. Like to talk about this essence. Like you then find out she's the prime mover for a lot of right. all of this. Uh, and you, you know that have- you know that from the from the get 
No, you know something's up with her. Like you, you know that she's the mover of the. She, you know that she's the mover of the thing from the get go. No, I don't you know, know what the thing. I don't even know what the thing is. I mean, that's the, the the another thing I liked about this too is is how it played out with these little bits and pieces of a puzzle that eventually fall into place. But I'm not exactly sure where they're going to fall. Uh-huh. You know, there's something wrong with her. I Dingus was even wondering, uh, is she a man? Like I didn't know, for instance. I knew there's oh, something right. up after there. Orphan. I just said it's still what, but I, it's, but it's, no, I mean, I, don't you know that early on that she's the that she's the bad guy? I mean, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's clear that she's she's running things early on, so there's no surprises as far as that's. You don't know is there that's is there the point right? Is there someone else? Like, is she running? But is does it end with her? Is she like that's what is it a supernatural called? thing about her? Yeah, exactly. You know, is she possessed? Uh, is she a witch? Is she, she going to cast spells or something? Uh, and she just seemed really invested in her role. Like she was, she seemed to really be intent on yeah. playing. Well, like she wasn't. All, they're all invested in their roles. Yeah, but she gets the, she has the best role, and she's really intent. <laughs> I stood okay. out. As kind I, of I don't a see that, but okay, because she is the oh. villain. Like it, it's sort of like it's the flashiest role, certainly. Compared yeah, to, you, and I think you know that from the beginning of the movie that she's the. But all the other characters are squishy, and she's not squishy yeah. ever. That's um, and I like she. She kind of has one solid point that she plays, and she plays it for the whole movie. I'm not saying she does it badly. I just don't. See, you say she has one solid point. I think part of the movie's payoff, and it's why I could have watched that finale for another hour, is just seeing her become completely unhinged and with her hair down, yeah. running around crazy. Like I, I, I think like the visit. Oh God, Kelly, one shut up. <laughs> like I think, <laughs> I think like th- this idea of literally letting their hair down. Like she looks so different when that happens. Uh, and same with Mia Vasakowska. Like once they start wearing their hair down, like this this sense of a transformation. Like it's really impactful. I think when you see these characters all buttoned up for so long, uh, to see them come completely undone. And they hate each other. It's like women re- yeah. really hate each other with knives, looking really hot, and they have different hair color. And it's like, yeah, that's another thing. Like visually, she's so different from Mila Vasilevska yeah. as well. Like they're definitely these awesome foils to each other. I thought it's, I love bitch wars. I always think they're really dramatic because, like, I just think women fight more interestingly. Guys are like, Ugh. and so. Well, I don't you know, it's care, like I don't care much for the fight, though. I mean, there's not much there. That's why well, I needed to go on yeah. for another hour. Right, needed, right, yeah. Yeah. We needed another hour of them running around. Running around the clay machine. The clay machine. The yeah. balcony, they should have gotten up on the roof of the house. Uh, yeah. The mines yeah. should have been bigger. They should have run back into that tavern. They should have taken a ship back to America. Like, that whole chase should have gone on. <laughs> them in their nightgowns, their hair down, you know, yeah. having blood all over those gowns. Awesome stuff. It yeah. should have still and, been going on right, even right now. And Dick is going back to the movie, like not like missing the last kind of lame twenty minutes, and then having to go back just to see that. Like you can see where that would make that would turn you. Against. No, no, I was turned off from the. Tom, is this supposed back. to be a scary movie? Uh, no, 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 not at all. I mean, not scary not in the all. sense yeah, of uh, not scary. And that's another thing again about Victorian ghost stories is they're not know, supposed they're, to be scary. Not in the not sense – I mean, they were back then, but you read them now compared to modern horror. Absolutely not. So and that's another Guillermo del Toro system. does not think this movie is supposed to be a scary movie. Guillermo del Toro, I think, is not making a contemporary horror movie, and he knows so He's that. not making a scary movie. Not for us, not for modern audiences, and I think that's why people don't like it. I mean, I think that's one reason right. that people don't like it. Yes. So yes. if we were to ask Guillermo del Toro, do you think this is you're, – you're making a scary movie? He'd say, nope, 
So, Dingus, I don't know if you know this. Why does the label matter? Well, first of all, I don't know if you know this about me, Dingus, but one of my first rules is fuck authorial intent. I know know, know that exactly about you. I could not care less whether Guillermo del Toro thinks it's scary, but I am sure he's not making a contemporary horror movie. You could just say, oh, it's not funny enough. Right. And I'm, I'm like, I wasn't scared. There were parts where I knew there was going to be a stupid jump scare, and I could have done without those. But I was never like scared in the sense that. No, no, no. There's never a moment like that. But, but no. The reason I'm asking you that is not to try to trick you or in any way try to get you to tell me what the authorial intent is. It's, it's. I mean, obviously, now looking back at the marketing, they're marketing it as a, a scary movie. Right. And well, not they're marketing at all. It as, it's a but I understand now that. What we watched is that's not the intention. So what is this movie? It's just a romance. It's no, 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 it's a, it's a gothic. It's a, it's a ghost story, or it's a story with a ghost. Story. It's a straight up Victorian ghost story that modern audiences are not going to like. All right, so it's All a right. ghost story that's and not supposed to be there. Yeah, well, I, I think it's okay. like I, I don't like. I don't find, frankly, I find maybe one in fifty horror movies scary. Like horror for me isn't about being scared. It's about uh, like movies that create these terrible situations for the protagonist. It's about movies where you have a sense of dread. Uh, okay. I think what what you get more a Victorian ghost story. I think probably resembles um, like a mystery more than a horror movie as we know it. And that's one of the things I really liked about this too. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Is I didn't know where it was going, but I knew I was fascinated by. The, the little bits and pieces, like you know, the mysterious strangers and the unseen document, uh, the ring, the the uh, the young doctor clearly being set up as an Arthur Conan Doyle type detective on the sidelines. Okay. Uh, you know, this idea of poisoned tea, uh, all of that. It, these are ingredients of like a mystery in a way. Yeah. I almost think of it as a mystery. So it's much more a mystery than a scary movie, or even a horror movie, other than the like smashing a head against a sink kind of a thing. Other than the the bits of gore, there's nothing really horror about this. Were you scared during Pan's Labyrinth? Because I wasn't. I would say the same thing about Pan's Labyrinth. Right. And I think that, by the way, I'm with um, 110%. I think Pan's Labyrinth is ten times more brilliant than this and certainly appeals to me more. Um, but, but I would say – go ahead. Sorry. Pan's Labyrinth is terrifying to me in a way that this movie doesn't even touch me. I mean when, when the captain gets his face taken apart, isn't – I mean that's terrifying. I mean Pan's Labyrinth – is is terrifying and it is scary. I mean, what that little girl is going through, going through the door, creating all of that. It's 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 scary. There's anticipation there. I don't get any of that here. Yeah, I would because I wouldn't call those things scary. Like they're they're fascinating okay. to me. Uh, and it's it's again it's kind of a mystery. But like the uh, I can think of very few horror movies that scare me. Paranormal Activity, for instance, like the first one there when I first saw Blair Witch Project, like I. I, I, maybe I'm not yeah. even scared anymore. I mean, it takes like a gimmick. I don't. Yeah, ditto. Oh well, want to be scared. I'm different. I mean, I I I get scared very easily. That's one of the reasons why you started taking me to horror movies is because I I scare easily and I scream like a little girl, and that's fine. Uh, I'm fine with that. And I, and now at this point, years years after even being interested in horror movies, I'm kind of. I don't know, kind of jones by that. I mean, I'm kind of jacked up by that. Sure. Um, This movie does none of that. Pan's Labyrinth um, certainly amps those things up for me in the way that this movie does not. Uh, I mean, but maybe it's just because I I, I felt more about the writing and the the characters in that than I did about this. I don't know. 
I think it's because you don't know what a gothic is. Like before, I read Master and Commander. I would have been I had a hard time explaining why it's good to someone. And so I think you just read them at a certain age, or you don't. Like they are, they're not supposed to be horrific. Like it's just supposed to be mysterious and like overwrought. That's a big thing. Is like a lot of like melodrama more than horror. Okay. I did like, too, and I don't think you see this in typical uh, stories from the era. Like, I liked how he played with this idea, because back then they didn't know, uh, that the world was on the cusp of these these technological developments. Uh, like with the automobile and the typewriters, the photography, this idea that Tom Hiddleston was working on, uh, you know, in- industrial machinery that, that would replace human labor. Uh, I-, I liked that kind of world building there. Um, I loved the photography stuff. I wish... I mean, it kind of made me think of, like, Mungo and made me want to sort of go more along those lines, but I didn't feel like it really developed any of that. Yeah. I mean, I think those were just all these ideas that, uh, hey, this is, uh, you know, was it 1898, Kelly Wan, or did you just make that up? I just made that up. Okay, yeah, I don't know what the year was. Oh, there was a title card, wasn't there? I forgot what the year Wasn't there? Maybe not. I, one, of the, one of the reasons I remember, because I complained to the manager of the theater afterwards, is yeah. we saw it, the, yeah. the framing was off. Like the bottom of the top uh. part was cut down. And there were times that the tops, like the tops of actors' heads were cut off. I mean, it was. Also, Dingus was right to walk in the, the second time. They owed him. Oh, because he. Well, technically, when you think about it, I've only seen maybe 95% of the movie because 5%, you know, 2.5% right. of the top and bottom were cut off. Well, that's going to scare Dingus even less, though, too. <laughs> right, Dingus did, right, when you didn't get to see the whole thing, of course. It's Although they're all headless, so it should scare him more. I wasn't crazy about, like. So, at the end, I noticed in the cast list, there's a guy named Doug Jones, who is this super skinny <laughs> dude uh, who is known for fitting into, like, costumes. Um. And he's, he was the, the pale man in Pan's Labyrinth, which there's some physicality to that. Uh, I saw him credited here as the mother, the ghost of the mother. And yeah. sort of felt like, wait a minute, that was all CG. You know, you didn't put Doug yeah. Jones in a costume. Why are you? But then I thought, you know what, if you can do that with Andy Serkis, you know, give Doug Jones credit. I mean, they probably motion captured him or whatever for, for the ghost. Um, but you, know, you can't most capture for a ghost. Well, the, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know how I feel about these all these super CG ghosts. I'm not sure I was crazy about that. Uh, uh, they're ghosts. You know what I thought of Kelly Wand is how crappy the Frighteners was. That's what I was. I haven't of. seen it in a long time. I wanted maybe it's more charming. Maybe I don't know. I remember liking it when he freezes him. He freezes himself on purpose so he can. Be a ghost. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, you know what? That, well, it did have that cool twist, but otherwise it was just a bunch of, like, CG ghosts. and It's a lot of screaming. Yeah. And I also wish ghosts would stop screeching. I don't <laughs> like screeching ghosts. Settle down, ghosts. Yeah, seriously. And, and also, enough with the fluttering wings. God damn it. Camus of Carlo needs to be done with mods. No, that's just... Cut that's it out. No, it's, it's all the way... John Woo dubs shit. No, I mean, all honestly. the way back to Cronus. That's his, that's his signature uh, move. Well, good for fucking him. Get, grow, grow the fuck up. That, wow. That, 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 no, I'm done with so the angry. fluttering wings. Oh I'm God. done with it. Wow. Grow up. It's it's like Bro. John Woo's dubs. We're done. You, you've, you've gone past that. Stop. Wait, wait. So you're saying wings in general? No, his his whole mods, mods, fluttering mods, mods, wings, blah. I mean, enough. Come on. You've done that forever. Why does he keep doing it? What's the point? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Grow up. 
You hear that, Del Toro? Dingus is telling you to grow up. We're tired Your of wings childish. Are childish. Yeah. I'm done with the fluttering wings. I'm done with it. Dingus, how enraged are you at Steven Spielberg putting a shooting star in every movie? Uh, I was done with what that. Do you think the lens First time I saw it. <laughs> when I saw it in Temple of Doom, I was done with it. So is there a shooting? Is it, good? I'll be back. How do you feel about that? I ask this in complete seriousness. Is there a shooting star in Schindler's List? <laughs> His morality shoots upwards. Wait. Oh, I like that, Kelly Wand. He signs the list with a shooting star icon. Uh, let's see. Who is Jim Beaver, by the way? Why haven't seen, we seen more of him? I like that. Dingus, didn't you like that guy? Come on. How can you resist No, I love that guy, and I yeah. thought he was somebody else. But, you know, he's been in stuff like Sons of Anarchy and whatnot. He's been in, TV, in, yeah. in stuff I haven't seen. But, yeah, I really like that guy a lot. I actually, for a while, thought I was, it was um, – I'm going to screw up his name. Kelly Wand, he was on Walking Dead as, as the, the father who's a preacher. I want to say Scott Wilson. That's not right. He's the guy with his leg chopped off, and he's on a crutch. He's like a – he's like the Tainted older, meat guy? Pardon? Did he say tainted meat and cackle? No, he, he's the owner. He's, he's the guy oh, with the Oh, or Yeah, yeah. Emily Kinney and Maggie's dad. Uh, is that Scott yeah. Wilson? What's that actor's name? Oh, if I know. Well, anyway, I thought it was that guy for the longest time, but no. It's that guy's name is Scott Wilson? That's such a weird name for that guy. Oh, is that right? It should be M.M. at Phoenix or something. No, it's... it's Fingus, do you know who I'm talking about? I'm in charge of renaming actors. He was in... Uh, I'm, you know what? I'm Googling Scott. Yeah, Scott Wilson. I totally got it right. You guys can both suck it. I'm too focused on M.M. at Phoenix. <laughs> uh, that's his character's name. Right, who's Scott Wilson? Scott Wilson. Uh, I don't it? know what you would know him from, Dingus. Um, mm. I mainly know him from a movie with Stacey Keach called The Ninth Configuration. That we uh, yeah. All right. Oh. I love yeah. that. I love that movie. So yeah. He was the main guy in that. Yeah. Tom, you've seen that movie, right? Oh, I'm the one that just now brought it up. <laughs> of course <laughs> I've seen it. No, but I thought you would just say, Dingus, you would know it. Not that I would know it. I, I'm surprised Dingus is. Is that Friedkin? No, no, it's William Peter Blatty. Blatty. I always get Blatty and Friedkin. Well, Friedkin directed Exorcist from William Peter Blatty's. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I'm sure there was a. He learned a lot from Friedkin, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Wan, what did you think of Tom Hiddleston's hat when he first shows up? Uh, did the carpet match the drapes? One, two, three, not only you and me, got 180 degrees, and I'm going to I thought you would have enjoyed it. He has a huge, tall, enormous, like, Lincoln stovepipe hat. And I, I thought you you would enjoy that. It was, it was Wait, nearly phallic. Are we going to do over-unders or what? Shoot. Dingus, uh, what's your over-under? All right. Uh, my over is Silent Fox. House. My under is Mama. Wait, did you say house? Silent House. Oh, Silent House. Because there Elizabeth is a movie. Wilson. Isn't there a, a movie from the 80s called House, Kelly Wand? It was like with... Not William <laughs> Peterson. Are you doing it the same thing you did earlier? No. House. I swear to God. Walking down a hallway, Dr. House. Who plays Norm in Cheers? What's that guy's name? George Went. George Went. Isn't he in a, a horror movie called House? With Who's the guy who's greatest American hero? Uh, I think you're right. William. William. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's I, I remember the movie. Yeah, yeah. there's a haunted house movie. and yeah. Okay, what's your question? So I thought that was Dingus's over 
when you say, but he said Silent House. No, my over is uh, is Silent House, which actually had moments that scared me, and I expect this movie to scare me, but apparently it's not a scary movie, so I was wrong to guess that. What, um, what's your under? Uh, my under is Mama, but I'm going to do oh, something right. weird in that I'm going to say that the um, the short for Mama should be also over this movie because I think that this movie is trying to quote Mama um, with that silly long hallway. A long shadow of mom's claws thing that happens, and then she scurries down the hallway, all that crap. Um, I think this movie's trying to actually crib from the mama short. Um, so I would put the mama short and Silent House over this, put the actual mama movie under this, because I can't stand. As much as I didn't like the things that this movie was doing, the characters in the movie Mama drove me nuts. Taiwan, what are your over and under for uh, Crimson Peak? My over, I didn't do gothic movies because I just made this list just now. But my over is Hell House. It's another Richard Matheson novel, Hell. Don't know that one either. <laughs> you don't? I do not. Sorry. It has the word house in it. I know. I, I, I know. I know House, the movie that started all of these house, haunted house movies you're talking about, but I don't know. I don't know. It's house what? on Haunted Hill, Haunting of Hill House, or uh-huh. or Hill Hell House. I don't know any of those. <laughs> <laughs> I find it very confusing, frankly. Why do they always go for the Triple H? That is weird. Yeah. But um, Hell House is one of those movies like Exorcist to the Heretic, where there's like a machine in one scene that they use to try to communicate with the ghost, and so it keeps like doing close-ups of a machine going. <laughs> okay. Uh, and close ups. What, oh, yeah? what is your under then? Or wait, that what? was your Yeah, your under. Yeah. yeah, that's better to me than this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Arbitrarily. And then my under's haunt, The Haunting, because it's the worst oh, movie about a big place with dumbasses running around in it. And they didn't even know to put the word house in that movie, which I find surprising. The way they took out um, John of Mars and John Carter. And just exactly. Made it. Uh, my under will be uh, body snatchers. They just go the invasion. My under will be Jane Eyre, as far as Mia Wasikowska movies. What? That's your under? You guys weren't even. Uh, but I really liked this. I liked this. I mean, when I, I did, it wasn't for me. I appreciated it a lot. And same with Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre's not for me, but I appreciated it a lot. I liked Mia Wasikowska and Michael Fassbender doing a Jane Eyre. Sure. Again, not for me, but I appreciated it slightly less than this. And by the way, wasn't that Carrie Fukunaga? Yep. It was, yeah. Who, who has something out on, on Netflix in a limited theatrical release right now that I'm looking forward to seeing called The Beasts of No Nation. Yeah, why, don't we do, why don't we do that, by the way, instead of The Walk next week? Yeah, please. Let's do something besides The Walk. No, we have to see The Walk. Yeah. Uh, and then my over is uh, – oh, yeah, damn it. What's that thing called, Dingus? The, the I Love Sarah Jane thing. What is that short? <laughs> With Mia Vasikowska, Dingus. Help me out. I Love Sarah Jane? It is, yeah. Mandy Lane. All no. the boys. Oh. Is that is that right, Dingus? Do I have it, na- the name correct? Because I know that our 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 chronicler uh, will will need to get this uh, down correctly. So I love Sarah Jane is a short movie. Yes, yeah, I love Sarah Jane. You're right. Yes, yeah, set in a zombie apocalypse. It's another Mia Wasikowska performance. That, that oh, we both chose shorts in one way or another. Nice. Yeah. See. Uh, yeah. Exactly. If Dingus can do it, I can do it. So there you yep. go. Now pretend the Britney Spears kicks in, and uh, let's do this week's three by three. Let's do this. Ooh! 
Thank you, Kelly Wan, for that intro. I appreciate it. Oh, was that was that a ghost noise, by the way? That was my Brittany. <laughs> oh, that's right. Brittany does make that noise in the in the song, doesn't it? That's what the that's the noise Brittany will make as a ghost. Uh, speaking of ghosts, this three by three is your uh, your favorite corpses in movies. Uh, Dingus noted last week, and I feel bad about this because uh, I almost ended up doing a lot of overlap. We did one on favorite uses of a dead body. Uh, so, <laughs> we did, yeah. This, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. This is not that. These, this is the body itself, the corpse itself. Um, not the use to which it was put. Exactly, Kelly Wand. Uh, so, uh, Dingus, you're introducing next week's three by three. So, why don't you start us off with your third favorite corpse? Uh, I feel kind of bad about this, but I'm going to choose it anyway because. Um, the the other ones would be uses, and this isn't a use necessarily. All right, well, we'll uh, let the police decide this, Dingus. If this is a matter for the police, they will be brought in. All right, so uh, what's your favorite uh, Kevin Costner performance? Yep, he's not even in the movie. Sorry. Is he? Sorry, is, he is he like? Is it like his hand is? Yeah, his hand is. That's what Dingus is talking about. You like the hand. Right. Is that suit. all you see of the corpse in Big Chill? Though is the hand? I haven't seen Big Chill. Essentially, you see you, you see the hand with the with the uh, uh, I don't know. It's not the scar, but the um, stitches across it. Yeah. Wait, I thought you were talking about Robin Hood. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about death <laughs> I know they had to have uh, stitches so they could fire the bows right. Actually, there is a great corpse in Dances Wolves. I should change it to that. Uh, there's this great moment where, uh, or what's his name says, why don't he write where they find this corpse out in the middle of a field? <laughs> Do you think there was an Indian named what's his name? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm choosing Alex in the, in the Big Chill. And why what's is, his name is the, why is yeah. that your third favorite thing? Uh, because I love the way that that thing looks. And the way that 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 I'm not a big fan of that movie necessarily, um, but I love the lore of Kevin Costner being uh, cast to do that. And he was only going to be shown in a flashback anyway. Um, but the corpse as that that opening of the movie happens um, with that particular version of the Rolling Stones song being played on the organ in the church. Um, I just love the way that that. Corpse is being dressed up for that funeral. Was uh, it scary to you? Ha <laughs> gotcha. No, but you are. Oh, Tom. You know, you know what reminded me of Kevin Costner today? It was uh, Kelly Wan's Jessica Chastain voice. So you I have know. a little Costner, in it. but I love that. It, it made it all the hotter, Kelly Wan. I, I can only do Australians and Costner. No, no, you, it was it was like Costner meets Jessica Chastain, which, like I said, and a racist Asian. Yeah. Thaling's uh, really hard to do, by the way. I know you worked on that a lot. I can, very hard to do. Yeah. Kelly, one, what's your third favorite corpse in a movie? My number three is. Uh, oh, but by the way, real quick rules: you can't have a movie with the word "weekend" or "Bernie's" in the title, and no oh, zombies. Shit. Zombies are not allowed. All right, Kelly, one, go ahead. I just wanted to make sure to reiterate that in case you forgot. Wait, why'd you read that now? Like, I'm going to... Because Costner's a zombie because he like, casts a pall over the entire movie. Is that what zombies do, Kelly, one? Is they cast a pall over the entire movie? 
I might be wrong on that. Mummies do, though. So, Kelly, one, I just wanted to, to – I didn't. I don't want you to get in trouble with the 3 by 3 cops. I know you've had issues with them before. I just, you know, I know it's – No, I'm the one who got – I apologize to Paul Weaver for going rampart on him. It's just that his people come over here and take our jobs. And, uh... Germans? <laughs> okay, look. Let's go back to what else, the other thing I did, was being dumb about. All right. Speaking of being dumb about things, Kelly Wan, give us your third favorite corpse. <laughs> it's not from a movie with the words Weekend and Bernie's in the title, and it is not a zombie. I like Jack's corpse at the end of The Shining because the look on his face is how I feel like all the time. Doesn't he have icicles on him even? Yeah. Yeah. And he's rolling his eyes. He kind of is, yeah. And he, he goes into a picture, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And when I, since I moved to Germany... Like, I'll be at work, and I just picture myself like that guy. Sure, sure. So it really speaks to you, you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Wan, have you ever seen Val Kilmer play a corpse? Only in um, Spartan. You're not, you're not, uh, you don't remember uh, MacGruber? And Batman Forever. In, in MacGruber, did he not play a corpse? Oh, yeah. No, he, oh, yeah, you're right. That wasn't him, though. We actually, I don't think we ever see the corpse. It's just uh, Will Forte desecrates the coffin, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, that's not my pick. No, it pees on the corpse. Okay, right. But that, that's not my pick, though. This is a different Val Kilmer as a corpse performance. Uh, and I mentioned this movie before. It has a, an actor that I really like named Carol Rodan in it. Uh, this is a Western directed <clears throat> by a Polish director. Let me try to say his name. Piotr Uklanski. Yeah. Wow. Uh, He's actually an artist, like he does like a, a concept art and stuff. Uh, and he makes this movie. He wants to make a western, so he shoots a western in Poland with a Polish cast, uh, most of whom can't speak English, so they're phonetically sounding out the lines. They later dub over it. Uh, but he gets Carol Rodan, who's really cool. Who's Carol Rodan in Running Scared? Yeah, 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 definitely. And Orphan uh, and other things. Yeah. Uh, so he's the Carol Rodan is the lead actor in this Polish western. Uh, but the Western is about a guy who comes into town to collect a bounty on a, on a dead man. And the movie is actually called Summer Love for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> but it was re-released under the name Dead Man's Bounty. Uh, so a guy comes to town, Carol Rodan, to collect the bounty on a corpse that he's bringing with him. Uh, and people end up fighting over the corpse, and there becomes like a, a sort of a war with him and the people in the town. Uh, weird, crazy Polish stuff happens. I don't know. It's this... Odd movie. Doesn't make any sense. I don't recommend it. But one of this movie's claims to fame is that Val Kilmer plays the corpse. And that's it. He's never alive. There's no flashback. Like, you never find out what he did or who he is. It's literally his. He plays a body. And because he gets left in the center of town, people are fighting over him. He, like, progressively rots over the course of the movie. Uh, and it's totally Val Kilmer. Um and uh, it, recently he did an interview, actually, with Piotr Uklansky. In uh, character? Uh, well, in playing Val Kilmer, yeah. He's this guy who just lives on a ranch in New Mexico who used to have a movie career. Uh, mm. uh, so apparently they're friends, I, I guess. Um, and Val Kilmer's like, yeah, I'll be a corpse in your movie. 
So I just I it's you know it's a terrible movie I don't recommend it but it's really kind of funny to see hey that's Val Kilmer and it, by the way if you look at the, the poster for it uh, the biggest element on the poster is Val Kilmer's face they want you to think you're renting a western starring Val Kilmer. Uh, Does it, is his face rotting on the? Uh... You can definitely see like there looks like there's something because it's a shot from the movie and you can see there's something like off looking about his face yeah because in the movie he's a corpse. That's pretty good. This is. It's not as good though as the corpses. Uh, well, it's it's right up there with Dingus's Kevin Costner pick, uh, but it, it's more prominently featured in the movie. So, Dingus, what is your number two favorite corpse in a movie? All right, my number two favorite corpse is from the movie Silence of the Lambs, and it's the um, it's the girl <laughs> that it's the girl that's pulled out of the water in West Virginia. I think it's West Virginia. Um, uh, it's kind of hard for me to separate this from how dead bodies are used, but it's uh, it's the way this corpse is treated with respect, um, and the respect that Clarice Starling pays to this particular dead body, and the way she uh, is able to you know assert herself as a competent. Um, investigator because she's looking after this particular corpse. Um, this is the, this is the one where, um, she's excluded from the room by Jack Crawford, uh, so that he can make some points with the dudes. But then she does this wonderful thing, and this is something I remember from the book and I remember from the movie, uh, where, where she says, um, uh, gentlemen, uh, let us take care of her. And, and this is how she gets all of the deputies who are just hanging around looking after her and just being in the room as part of the investigation to leave so that they can do their investigation. And she does this great thing, and it's in the book and it's in the movie. It says, this, gentlemen, let us look after her, and they all leave because, because she's the woman taking charge and she's going to look after this this particular girl and they, and they start to look after her and to figure out, is she from town? Is she not from town? And this is the, this is the corpse that reveals to them, uh, that the death's head moth is in the throat of these victims. Um, and there's so much going on in this particular scene. Uh, but I just love that, that this, this girl that's been pulled out of the river is, is so much a part of, um, the I don't know the development of Jodie Foster's character and and what she wants to do not only as an investigator but as a woman investigator especially in front of Jack Crawford and what she tries to teach him in this moment um, so that corpse uh, it's you know they have to flip her over they have to work with her uh, but pulling that thing out of her throat uh, I love that corpse. I'll tell you, there's one guy, Jonathan Demme is one director who did uh, grow up and get over moths, to be fair to him. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, Kelly Wan, what's your second favorite uh, corpse in a movie? It's not in a movie with the words Weekend of Bernie's in the title, and it's not a zombie. Uh, hey, Costner was Wyatt Earp, and Val Kilmer was Doc Holliday in the other Wyatt Earp. Very good, Kelly Wan. It's yeah. a, you, you tied those two things together. Nicely done. They always come in twos. I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> I love that movie. Wait, no, I don't like that movie. <laughs> the other one. 
My number two corpse is the one in Drag Me to Hell, that old lady, Lorna Raver. Because, um, like, spoiler alert, she dies like a third of the way to the movie, but she still spends the rest of the movie annoying. Um, what's her face? Mm, isn't this a zombie, Kelly Wand? Like, isn't she reanimated? Oh. Really? She goes to the graveyard to give her back the... Uh, right, the, the button. The haunted button. Right. And gives her the wrong one, but, like, there's a flood and, like, the corpse keeps uh, getting in her way and stuff. It's of the old lady, though? Yeah, and also she goes sure. to the old lady's funeral and the body throws up embalming fluid all over it. Oh, funeral. I do remember that. Yeah, poor little... What was her name? Allison Loman? Who was the chick in that? Yeah, Allison yeah. Loman. Yeah. All right, you know what? Good call, Kelly Wand. I will accept that one. I mean, the three so rescue cops will accept that one. Yeah. So that uh, woman. All right, good call. Uh, my number two is a movie that I know you guys and probably no one else has seen. Uh, biggest, do you know the name John Slattery? Like an actor, a character actor? You- yeah, yeah. He's he's in. Um, he was in. I mean, I haven't watched the show. It's that uh, advertising show, right? Oh, Mad, Mad Men. Oh, he's in the Mad Men. I don't know. Yeah. Might be, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's the boss on there. Oh, so he's in Wet Hot American Summer, bro. You know who he is. He's in what? Wet Hot American Summer? Well, I'll have to check that out then. Well, he's uh, an acting uh, teacher. He has also directed a movie. This might be the only thing he's directed. What? I don't know. He directed a movie called God's Pocket, which is one of Philip Seymour Hoffman's last movies. Um, wow. It's set in a neighborhood in, yeah, I want to say like Pittsburgh or something, which is actually called God's Pocket. It's named after this neighborhood of like blue-collar working-class dudes who are super tough. Uh, and Philip Seymour Hoffman plays a guy who has married into this neighborhood. Uh, like, he's not one of them, but his wife, played by Christina Hendricks, by the way, uh, is from the neighborhood. And so he's not entirely accepted by them, but they're kind of uh, – they, they tolerate him. So uh, he's married Christina Hendricks, who has a son from another marriage – played by Caleb Landry Jones, who, oh. if you know this guy, uh, we like him on this podcast. He's kind of freaky looking, super pale. Like He's got long red hair a lot of times. Um, very strange actor. Uh, very striking, though, and I, I like him quite a bit. So Caleb Landry Jones is Christina Hendricks' son from another marriage, and so therefore he is Philip Seymour Hoffman's stepson. Uh, so this is how the movie starts. Something goes terribly wrong, uh, and it's actually a pretty cool death scene. Uh, Caleb Landry Jones dies under suspicious circumstances. Um, so a lot of the movie is untangling. Oh, Hendrix, okay. Yeah, also from Mad Men, by the way, I think. No. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, oh, I wonder if that's how she got cast, if John Slattery did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Uh, so a lot of the movie is about in this tough neighborhood trying to untangle what happened to Caleb Landry Jones. And one of the weird subplots is that Rick, Richard Jenkins plays a washed-up uh, newspaper reporter who either seduces or gets seduced by – it's not clear who's doing what to whom – Christina Hendricks because she wants him to investigate what happened to her stepson. So Christina Hendricks hooks up with a couple of really unlikely dudes in, in this movie. Uh but what I really like about this movie is – so Caleb Landry Jones is dead. He gets taken to a mortuary. The mortician, by the way, played by Eddie Marson, who we also like. There's a lot of great actors in this movie, even though it's ultimately not very good. Uh, but it turns out that Philip Seymour Hoffman can't quite pay Eddie Marson for all the funeral arrangements and the embalming of the body and whatnot. So 
Eddie Marsden one night when Philip Seymour Hoffman is appealing to him and saying, please help me out. Eddie Marsden throws the body out the back door into a rainstorm and locks Philip Seymour Hoffman out. And there's a long stretch of the movie where Caleb Landry Jones playing a corpse, completely inert, just dead weight, is being hauled around town by Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's trying to keep him until he can get the money to pay Eddie Marsden as the mortician. Uh, and it's none of this is funny, by the way. None of this is played for laughs. What? It's completely in earnest. Uh, and, and get this. Philip Seymour Hoffman's character drives a meat truck, just to let you know part of what's going to go down in, in God's pocket. Uh, but I love this idea of getting a, a really crazy actor like Caleb Landry Jones, killing him early, and having him play a corpse toted around by Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, for much of the rest of the movie. Wow. So there you go. God's Pocket, directed by uh, John Slattery. Wow. Huh. And so... Uh, is it worth? Wait. Yeah, is that the best thing in it, or is it all that good? Well, it, you know, it's worth. I mean, it's it's just watching Philip Seymour Hoffman with any kind of material, and there's yeah. some good yeah, stuff yeah. here. So yeah, it's worth it for that. Um, Richard Jenkins is kind of cool to watch, um, uh. and it is like the the plot and how it unfolds and how it resolves, and you know, it's this typical like a tough guy neighborhood crime drama thing. But yeah, there's some good stuff in it. Yeah, uh, and it's certainly memorable for Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. What's that mean, God's Pocket? It's the name of the neighborhood. Yeah, which yeah, I, I think I, I want to say. Uh, I think the idea being that God's take God takes care of these people. He keeps them in. Oh, uh, okay. Protects them. Oh, all right. Um, I thought it was like his back pocket, so he's getting crushed all the time. <laughs> I think he's sitting on them inadvertently. Yeah. Right. Oh God. Yeah, he forgets to take them out of his pocket when he does the laundry, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's that. His mom catches it though. <laughs> Who is God's mom, Kelly Wand? Um, Chastain? <laughs> True Life? Or, or Christina Hendricks. Well, I'll go with either one of those. The Monolith? Uh, so let's see, where are we? That was my number two. Oh, <laughs> you, Kelly Wand? No, it's on me next. I'm number one. What was Kelly Wand's number two? Drag Me to Hell. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, Dingus, what is your favorite corpse in a movie? All right, here's a quote from it. He's spoiling. Ah. Uh. Weekend, uh, it can't have the title, the words "weekend" or "Bernie's" in the title. Bernie doesn't spoil. That's one of the weird things about him. Okay. That's a good point. All right, so uh, this is from the movie Tideland. Uh, oh, that's my number one too. Oh, look at you guys, how sweet. Oh, that's good. Oh wait, it's not your number one. So, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, that was better. But that's a great one. Go ahead, Dingus. Yes, it is from my number one actually, uh, Kelly. Oh. Uh, wait, so, what? We're already on number ones. Yes, you've given us your three and two. There's no other number but one, unless we're going to do decimal points. What was Kelly Wan's third favorite? I guess I forgot. The Shining. Oh, yeah, 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 right, 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 yeah. All right, I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. That's right. So, uh, Tideland is uh, very obviously, I mean, I, I when you mentioned this, I couldn't believe that all three of us wouldn't have chosen this. Um, but for use of the corpse, as far as how... Um, you're not going to use it for like uh, I don't know in ways that you would use a body because there's a 
there's there's a couple of ones that I would say this is how you would use a dead body for some sort of plot point. Um, this is a character. I mean, this corpse is a character in the movie, and this is Jeff Bridges as Noah uh, dying, um, and uh, 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 Jadel Furlan's uh, Jaleza Rose. Is that how you say Jaleza Rose? Um, basically. Uh, dealing with his corpse as it rots in, in the house. Um, and I can't get over, I mean, uh, I can't get over how Tideland, uh, figures into so many things I think about movies. Um, and how it's not, I wouldn't say like on a weekly basis. There's some movies that just come into my head all the time, but sometimes Tideland will just like slip into my mind and I just, think about how did I ever like that movie? What, what's going on with that movie? And then I will eventually watch it again and go, Oh, okay. That's why this movie works for me. And yet there's almost nobody in the world. (laughs) There might be, there's not even a handful of people I would recommend this movie to, but it works so well for me. Uh, but this little girl has to deal with the corpse of her father, uh, who has died from a heroin overdose in this movie, in this, uh, house they've moved into. Um, and just the way that she has to deal with this in the way that a girl would have to do that or a kid would have to do that. Uh, I mean, it's, it's scary to me as a parent thinking about my kid finding my dead body. I mean, I, honestly, Imagine imagining that as a as a parent, your kid finding you because you had a, a heart attack last night or whatever, uh, and then having to deal with that in the way that she deals with it in this sort of fantasy sense in this movie. Um, this movie, I find this movie overwhelming. So uh, uh, the the corpse of uh, of Jeff Bridges as Noah is my favorite. Thing is, as long as you're not a heroin addict, I think you'll be okay on that front. Well, I might be, but you never know. Who knows? What yeah, they look people have heart attacks. Because that's what does him in, isn't it? He does an overdose. Oh, yeah, because he calls it going on vacation, right? Right, right. Yeah, he goes on vacation, and he's permanently on vacation. Yeah. Right, yeah. Kelly, why is it your number one pick? Because without it, that movie would suck. But oh, it really? It constantly reminds you. Well, it'll just be a different kind of movie, but you're seeing it all the time. And everything she's doing is reacting to it, kind of, in a weird way. And it's also the best-looking corpse I think I've seen in a movie. Like, doesn't he get... Not embalmed. Is it embalmed? Isn't it Janet McTeer? Like, her character comes and does a lot of work on the corpse? Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just what Dinka said. All right. He said I, it more eloquently than I could. You know what? I, I screwed up. My number uh, three. I want. I need to put this on my list, so I gotta cut one. Of oh them no, no, no way, please! Come on, please! You never cut me any slack on this idiotic waste of my time. But uh, I can't. All right, go ahead. I, it's fine. You talked me into it. Go ahead. No, I'll, I'll, oh, well, no. it's my number one because you guys are gonna like my number one. I think. Well, um, then yeah, let's hear it. Whatever's so, the best. So I don't. I don't want to <laughs> scoop anyone. From uh, I, like I wouldn't be surprised if maybe someone wrote in with this one, but a famous corpse, uh, not one of my favorites, but I'm going to bring this up by way of talking about my favorite. Uh, when Gore Verbinski did the remake of The Ring, there's this kind of famous and it's a really cheap jump scare cut uh, when two people are talking and one of them mentions, "Hey, someone else died." It's a cut to a corpse cowering in a closet. Uh, 
so in the opening of the ring, it's Amber Tamblyn and some other chick, and they're talking about the the urban myth of the ring, and uh, Amber Tamblyn dies, and then the other chick lives, and later on you find, hey, the other chick died by someone mentioning this, and then Korvabinsky does this really cheap, unfair jump scare to the other girl's corpse in a closet, uh, and the face is just a quick take. Um, but the, the face looks like horrified. Like it's this little girl who's died of fright. And it's this really freaky, scary corpse. A lot of grotesque makeup. Like it's all gray and everything. Uh, yeah, they popped it up in the second one. It didn't look as good. They did that in The Ring 2? Well, they did the faces, but they didn't look scary anymore. Oh, I didn't see The Ring 2. That's not Gore Verbinski, though, I'm guessing, is it? No, it's yeah. dumb. Yeah. Uh, and is, is there something like that? The, the original Japanese ring in Ring Yes. So it, is it, it, it's, a, it's a jump cut? Like, it's that same stupid scare? Uh, I can't remember. Okay. I thought you just meant, is it the same effect? But See, it's like, I like that effect, and I like the, the the pictures one, too. I still don't get why she's into videotape. Are you talking about, are you talking about Samara Sam- Ring? Oh. Yeah, I don't sure know where videotape is. Well, it's it's a product of of when the movie was made. I mean, nowadays it would be an uh, an AVI, like a five hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, that's not my pick, Kelly Wand. My pick is actually another really grotesque corpse effect, Um, but it's not played for scares. It's played because you meet the character, and the movie is mainly about the character being alive and then dying and then being missing from the movie for a long time, and then you see the corpse of this character, which is absolutely horrifying, because you've seen this person at other parts in the movie, and you've keenly felt this person's uh, absence, because that's what the movie is about, and then you see this grotesque corpse, and then what really gives it resonance later on in the movie, I don't even want to tell you about, Dingus has already mentioned it, because if you haven't seen Lake Mungo, you need to see Lake Mungo. Uh, uh, it's an awesome movie, and it's about a girl who's gone missing. And turns out she drowned, and when they show you this corpse of her dr- having drowned being recovered, it's like horrifying. Like, ooh, that's what happens to a person's body. And it's very much like that horror movie makeup in The Ring, but it's not played for a cheap scare. It's played for this horrifying sense of, that's what happens to your flesh. And I don't want to say anything, but that's not the end of it. Uh, you know, this this corpse is one of the most striking in any movie I've ever seen, and it certainly freaked me out above and beyond the scene I'm talking about where you see this gross, drowned body. Um, so that is my number one pick, is the corpse in Lake Mungo. That is actually such a good corpse that I never look at it to go, oh, yeah, I wonder how – like, it's like I'll look at Katie Holmes's corpse in The Gift for just my own reasons. <laughs> And be like, you wonder how they did that, like the makeup. Yeah, like, yeah, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But with Lake Mungo, I'm like, no, it'll freak me out just to even see it again. Yeah, and there's no, I seriously doubt there's any CG in, in Lake Mungo, by the way. Um, right. All right, so let's see what the listeners have come in with. And by the way, that was a last-minute replacement. I had something else, but I'm allowed to change my mind before I actually say what my pick is. So I'll say later what my other pick was. Uh, Daniel Ebert writes, number three, stand by me. When the gang fight, you know, I don't even, because I started, I I watched it a while ago, I wasn't crazy about it, but I don't even remember them showing the body, I'm sure. I don't either. I do, I do, yeah, you definitely see him, and it's really creepy, I mean, the way that body is shown, and I mean, that's part of the important part of the guys looking at him is, 
uh, is the way that they feel upon seeing that body and, and they show it. I mean, it, there's, there's just nothing there. Well, that's what uh, Daniel writes when the gang finds the body of Ray Brower. That's his name. Uh, his feet sticking out from the branches mark a sad and anticlimactic end right. to what seemed at the beginning a grand adventure. Yeah. Uh, number two. Oh, I feel bad. I hate this one now. Think of I'm going to give you a line. Hey, Sporting Goods. Oh. Uh, no Country for Old Men, oh. Daniel Ebert mm. picks. This is number two. Llewellyn Moss's body floating in a pool is the culmination of his inability to handle the consequences of his actions at the beginning of the movie. And then, uh uh-oh, Dingus, you and I talked about this. Mm. All right, Daniel, uh, you might be in trouble. I'm going to have to consult with my partner in a moment here. (laughs) Daniel writes, number one, alien. The desiccated corpse of the pilot is the final piece of evidence that there is other intelligent life in the galaxy. If it's a clue to the cause of the pilot's death, is another unsettling marker of the slow dread that builds throughout the beginning of Alien. All right, Dingus, pull your car up next to mine. No, like turn it around. Where Wait, you're getting Dingus as your partner on this one? We already talked about. We've we, actually we, talked about. We it. had a briefing with the Sarge on this one. So here's because, me because I I watched Prometheus and uh, we <laughs> so we had to sort of delve into this. Yeah. So, uh, Dingus, is this a corpse? Is is it a skeleton? Uh, what do we do with Daniel here? Am I, are, we gonna, yeah, are we going to have to issue him a warning? Is this going to be a full-blown arrest? Uh, is it a Mr. Me? Fire hose. Well, you know, I actually think, you know, even though I, I don't know that we can make a distinction between um, a desiccated corpse and a corpse at this point. But then skeleton, are skeletons allowed? I don't think skeleton. I don't know. There's no flesh on that thing at this point, is there? Oh. Does a corpse have to have flesh? Yeah. Otherwise, it's a skeleton. Doesn't corpse imply there's still like corporeal means like literally body meat? Right. 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 Although Prometheus, they go dead bodies and it's skulls, so they're idiots. They're geologists though, so because they wouldn't know anything about. (laughs) Kelly, if you're submitting Prometheus as evidence in support of Daniel Ebert's pick, that's all we need to say. He does not want you to be his. Yeah. 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 I'm just trying to stir the pot and try harder. Make difference. Well, Daniel, we were worried this would happen. Uh, you know what? We'll accept your answer. Uh, we'll let you off with a warning. Worried? Well, because it is a good pick. Like, it's a famous instance of seeing something dead. And we were also like, it's not human. Is something that's not human that's dead a corpse? Or, here's the rule I came up with, and I just invented it. Uh, if it's a dead animal, it's not a corpse. It's a carcass. Well, no, you didn't just invent it because I was actually thinking of an animal that I would really like to use for mine. But when you look up corpse, most of the early definitions say a human body. Uh-huh. I mean, most most of them state that implicitly that what most about humanoid? human body. Sometimes it's used for an animal, but most often that animal is used uh, is carcass. So the one that I wanted to use, I had to knock off my list. So sometimes when I invent things, Dingus, that doesn't that maybe they've been invented previously because they're so perfect, they're so right. Right, and, and you went back in time and you incepted them. For all we know, uh, so Dingus, yeah, like for instance, what was what was recovered at Roswell in 1947, corpse or carcass? Hmm. We don't know. I mean, maybe humanoid. It yeah, sounds more been, like a, cor- a carcass to me. Wow, Dingus! Wow, really. Dingus is really putting down uh, extraterrestrial life. Because it's small. That's how Dingus, like, it's obviously a, like a chihuahua. Paul Weimer writes. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Yes. 
isn't the Prometheus thing a spacesuit though? Like it wasn't even a skeleton. Ooh, Kelly one might be right. I don't know. Yeah, that's is that what, what we learned in talking about. No, in Prometheus. He gets, he gets in. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> the engineer <laughs> climbing into that thing. It's that dude. It's the dude. That's that's yeah, the, the thing he's climbing into. That's the explanation Ridley Scott has felt that he needs to bestow upon us. So what they right, find in Alien, because otherwise the whole thing looks like an organic device when you watch the first movie, and that's what's so awesome about but it. What Kelly Wand is saying then is this isn't even a corpse; it's a right. it's a thing that somebody has climbed into. Yeah, it's like calling a statue. No, no, it's still that dude. That dude has mummy case. It's still like, that dude. That's what happens at the end of Prometheus. It's it's the explanation of that dude. Right, no, but the dude isn't – that thing that they find in Alien, is that the dude or the dude's costume? The they thing don't that find the wore? dude in Alien. No, yeah. see, that's the dude. I mean, that's oh. why at the very beginning of Prometheus, when he drinks okay. from the, that r- ridiculous pot of goo, uh, his body disintegrates. I mean, those are the – That's not an alien. Those are the engineers. Yeah, but you don't see his corpse. You see a hole in the mummy case that he's on. All right. That's what I'm thinking, is that Kelly Wan is on something. Is that thing sitting at that weird telescope gun-looking thing in Alien is no. not the, the people that were running around, those white people running around in... Uh, the only thing that you see that's weird is the helmet. Is that weird, like, a snout helmet. Kelly Wan, it sounds like Dingus is on Daniel Ebert's side. I can't. The gun, though, is a corpse. It's not a gun. Okay, let's get, let's get Paul Weimer in trouble. Yeah. Well, number three pick. In existence, the protagonists, Ted Pickle and Allegra Geller, I don't know, it's what he wrote here. Uh, are, are I, love, I love that Paul Weimer is on the biggest side of having character names. Well, I love does, that about Paul He Weimer. does actually list the actors who play them, so... Uh, they are led to the storeroom holding the corpse of their former contact, Hugo Carlaw, within the VR game they are playing. Casually displayed on a shelf as he is, it's an indication to them that the viewer it's an indication to them and the viewer that the game has definitely taken a very bad turn. <laughs> Wait, the fact that he's on a sh- the, there's a, they put a corpse on the shelf. Out of means that the game's taken a bad turn. I think because he's dead. Okay. Maybe I don't know. I, I have not. I am not. There's a corpse in a video game. In in existence. <laughs> That's a bad sign. Yeah. The, uh. <laughs> no, it's out of the video game. It's in real life. Okay. Oh wait, no, no. A turn. Oh, no, no. You're right, Kelly Wan. Are led to the storeroom holding the corpse of their former contact within the VR game they're playing. You're right, Kelly Wan. A corpse in a video game. You never see that. That's ominous. Yeah. Also, that's a spacesuit, not a corpse on the shelf. Uh, Paul Weimer's number two pick. The hauntingly stuffed and posed corpse of Taylor's former crewmate Dodge <laughs> that he encounters in a museum as he tries to escape from the planet of the apes. Wow. Well, uh, well, there's so much to say there. What? Which Planet of the Apes? So uh, this is Paul Weimer talking about Charlton Heston finding his former crewmate, a guy named Dodge, in a museum, finding the body of Wait. him. Didn't Isn't Kelly the already have a, a topic about taxidermy? 
I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That's oh. a corpse, though, because it's got skin on it, like House of Wax. Those are corpses. Fair point. Uh, and then finally, Paul Weimer's number one pick, the body of Charles Foster Kane, contemplative and with rosebud on his lips, at the start of Citizen Kane. Hauntingly filmed mm-hmm. and inviting the viewer to wonder, who was this man who died and is now dead before us? And what did he mean? And what did he mean? I might be screwing up Paul's in- intended intonation. Wait, that's not uh, a corpse, though. He's still alive. No, he's he's talking about, like, the moment after death. Tom should have oh. given us a time buffer. Mm. Right. I mean, once you're after dead, death. you're a corpse. I don't know. All right, fine. You know, I just, I don't, I don't get Citizen Kane. Whatever. People love that, so I'll let him have it. No, I like it. It's a famous movie. It's allowed. No, it's weird. Arthur like G.F. Gernelli writes, what? Um... Oh, yeah, okay, this one's kind of cool. Although, eh, Arthur, I don't know. Uh, Sunshine. When Harvey is lost during the attempt to re-enter Icarus 2, his insulation-wrapped corpse is frozen solid and then shattered by a comms tower and finally incinerated by the sun's heat. I do love that... uh, So when you see The Martian, everything eventually goes right. But I couldn't help but think that at the end of The Martian... When uh, Matt Damon's like jetting through space to rendezvous with, with some distant point, uh, that he obviously wouldn't do that if he had seen Sunshine, where they attempt something similar and it doesn't work out nearly as well. Right. Like at least for one third of the people trying it. Uh, just like Iron Man. Actually, Kelly Wan, just like one of those Star Trek movies. Didn't Chris Pine shoot himself out of an airlock like it just yeah, like a tube? Yeah, yeah. Dingus said nice when that happened. <laughs> He stood up in the theater. Oh, I like this one. Although you How guys, fast he's going. I don't think yeah. you guys will know this movie. Uh, I don't even think I finished it. It was super slow and meditative, and I got halfway through it. and was like, okay, I get the point. I'm done. Uh, a movie called Departures. If it's what I'm thinking of, this Japanese movie. <laughs> uh, when the proprietor of the bathhouse passes away, Dago must prepare her corpse for cremation. While performing this professional service... Adds some personal touches that even her disagreeable son appreciates. Departures has a lot of corpses in it, but this particular one is the most moving. I think he's talking about the Japanese movie. Uh, You've seen a what is character named Dago. Dago. D a i g o. It's a Japanese word, you guys. It's not an ethnic epithet, whatever. Are you sure? Epic. Daigo. Okay, you know Daigo. How about that? What if I say Daigo? I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't know Japanese. Daigo. The guardly. There. Uh, well, here's one that we can all appreciate. Uh, Assassinated Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. After Jesse James is, spoiler alert, Arthur writes, assassinated by the coward Robert Ford, his corpse is placed in ice and photographs are taken uh, for the public to view. It's a good the, one. The narrator compares the image of James' corpse to the other wonders of the world, such as the Sphinx, Taj Mahal, and the catacombs of Rome. It's a great pick. That's a great pick, yeah. I like that. I should see that movie. Have we had Joey Brimhall write in before? Because that's I don't a no. That's a Is cool it, last name. Did you just make that up? No, Brimhall. Sounds like a, a new series on HBO. Joey. Or it could be one of the characters in Crimson Peak. Mm. Not Joey. Like it would have to be Joseph Brimhall. Or the house. Yeah. Brimhall, exactly. They could call it Brimhall. Kelly Wan, good pick. Uh, it's called that because of the red mud brims. And the- Downton Abbey. 
next uh, week. Bring Joey, on. apologies if we forgot you wrote in before, but he writes this time. He only has one entry. In the movie The Name of the Rose, I'm already loving this pick. Uh, in the movie The Name of the Rose, a yeah. monk is found dead in a vat of pig's blood. Yeah, that fat dude. My grandpa took me to see this movie when I was eight. Fuck you, Joey Brimhall. Uh, and the image of two legs sticking out of that vat will be forever etched in my mind. I saw that when I was – actually, you know what? I was a kid. I take that back, Joey Brimhall. That was mean. Uh, <laughs> I guess I was – would I have been in grad school? I like that he, he he saw that scene with his grandpa when he like was a big eight. You know, yeah. Like who's who's going to take it's for his, either of them? Who's going to take his eight year old son to see in the name of the rose? Like a Sean Connery. I remember too, by the way. Doesn't Christian Slater have a super hot sex scene in the yeah, name of the rose? Oh, yeah. He's basically yeah. raped. Grandpa yeah. Brimhall, you need to be more careful about what you take your grandchildren. No, that's what I'm saying. That's why it was better back then. Was you just like learned about life at the movies, whether you wanted to or not? Like there was no, right. it just sort of happened. Yeah. Just the way Christian Slater's character did. He didn't plan that. Or the way your life is informed by that. Well, kid like Joey That's, Brimhall, I don't know. Eight years I saw old. I you for Zapped with my grandma, and it's like shirts flying off, and I was kind of enjoying it. And she was like, "Well, that doesn't seem like it has much story." Nick D. writes, number three, Goodfellas. I'll always remember the long push into the frozen meat truck in which we see the latest of Robert De Niro's victims. A frozen corpse, hands tied, hung on a meat hook. Ray Liotta's line over the scene is, when they found Carbone's body, he was so frozen stiff it took two days to thaw him out for the autopsy. Hmm. Nick D.'s number two pick. Oh, this is a good one. And definitely allowed. And a perfect example of the difference between a corpse and a skeleton, by the way, I think. Uh, his number two pick, the fantastic reveal of Mother Bates is one of the great corpses of all time in Psycho. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish this were the final scene of the movie, and Hitchcock Tax- hadn't felt the need to tack on a scene of a psychiatrist explaining everything to the audience. Yeah. This is what the word psycho means. <laughs> uh, what? I think uh, Silence of the Lambs plays with that as well, with the with the body of the woman who owns Jane Cumm's house uh, in the bathtub at the end. But anyway, go ahead. A psychiatrist explains what it means? No, 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 just that uh, we're finding an old woman, like, in the house. Right. Who's not quite a skeleton, not quite a fresh corpse, right? right. She was a great big fat person. That was a different person, Kelly Wand. Oh, Number one, his pick, uh, okay, this is okay. I'll allow this. Uh, gravity. After the satellite is destroyed by debris, Sandra Bullock and George Clooney look for survivors. She finds the corpse of the first astronaut who, disturbingly, has a hole where his face used to be. Only because it is in space, the wound has frozen over immediately, so there is no gore. In space, life is impossible indeed, Nick writes. Does the camera go through it, too? Ew, like gross! You're thinking of uh, you're thinking of the quick and the dead. Yeah, there's a scene where the camera, where Sam Raimi pushes a camera through a gunshot wound. Yeah. Ew. All right. Finally, we have Chris Markwoodson writes. He's not sure if the etiquette for corpses is to refer to them as an it or a he or a she, but he's going to go with a he or she. He's letting us know up front. Number three, I think a corpse that gets peed on in fright deserves to make this list. In Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Robert Downey Jr. discovers there's a corpse in his bathtub as he is peeing. The shock causes him to turn to look at the body in midstream, peeing on it. The corpse itself isn't all that special. 
So, Chris, you probably shouldn't have picked it, you know. Uh, but the reaction that it gets from the character in the subsequent phone call that Downey Jr. makes to Val Kilmer is awesome. Because this, this, this thing is partly what inspired uh, Best Use of a Corpse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris will allow it. We're not going to ticket you this time. But if you didn't like the corpse, pick, pick a corpse that you like. Let's see how he does for his two-in-one. Number two, the corpse is lying face down in a storm drain. Oh, I like – this is a good one. Uh, she is wearing her white jacket and brown skirt, and her right arm lays in the stream of water along with some of her blonde hair. Oh, wow. Do you guys know this? Is it Brick? Yeah. As soon as yeah. I heard lying face down in a storm drain. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Uh, Chris writes, Brick opens with Emily DeRaven's character dead and laying in a storm drain. It's something that has become more powerful to me after watching the movie several times. Wow, man, this makes me super sad. Because you get to know her over the course of the movie and what happened and why it happened. And, yeah. Right, right. What's he doing with this one? Number one, Ex Machina. Do you what he's talking about? I he's hope talking he's about the 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 um the other robots. That's what I'm hoping he's not going to do is try to use a robot as a corpse. Let's find out. Uh, you don't get to see Nathan's body for very long, only four seconds close uh -oh. up. Right. But it's part of a sequence of shots that begins with Ava putting on her skin, then three shots of the beautiful home, and then the shot of Nathan's body. He's lying on his right side, the knife still on his chest, stomach and the front of his white shirt soaked in blood. The right side of Nathan's head touches the floor. Blood is leaked onto the floor, and you can see it starting to soak into the right side of his shirt and travel upwards as the material soaks in more of the blood. During this sequence, the soundtrack is playing something that almost sounds like it would belong in a nursery, and the contrast is really very nice. Hmm. Uh, he also doesn't – he uses character name and doesn't point out that that's Oscar Isaacs right. from, from the new Star Wars movie. But would you object to those? Because um, that's where the movie becomes a horror movie for me in, in a little bit of way, where where that where the walls come away and those robot corpses. I mean, they're corpses, aren't they? Corpses? No, it's, it's it, well, it's again humanoid. Like I guess they're humanoid shapes. Or you, if you're going to allow the remains in Roswell that were obviously recovered by the government, All right. I guess you might as well allow the robot. Uh, my objection is, I think that. I wonder if we ruined Ex Machina for anyone. I hope not. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, no, I mean, it's not your fault. Uh, but uh, that's, a, that's a, certainly a, a fair pick. Yeah, the robots, I don't know. Kelly Wand, would you allow robots? But I think uh, that, into this cantina? <laughs> uh, does that then mean that, that uh, C-3PO, after he's dismembered in Empire Strikes Back, would he be a corpse? He's not dead, though. Fair point. Uh, runners up. He's a corpse when he switches off, but he has all his parts. Very sick. Uh, what I really, really wanted to use was um, uh, they only smell bad on the outside. Um, oh, carcass, right. Uh, but it would have been a carcass. The Tauntaun is not a corpse. Sorry. It's not humanoid either. Yeah. Right. R5-D4 is a corpse. The others are just uses of dead bodies, so I don't really have much other. Uh, this one I actually mentioned in Uses of Dead Bodies, so I didn't pick it, but it is the corpse itself I really like in that I, I'm freaked out by it. Uh, so I, when you go back and look at movies that like freaked you out as a kid, nine times out of ten you're going to think, oh, that's really stupid, uh, and you probably shouldn't go back and watch those. Uh, however, one in ten, maybe fewer, you will occasionally find things that freaked you out as a kid that you're like, holy crap, I can't believe I watched that as a kid because it's still really freaky. Uh mm -hmm. There's a, a, a Mario Bava 
horror anthology from 1963 called Black Sabbath. Um, and and uh, according to Wikipedia, actually, Black Sabbath took their name from, from this. Uh, and it's three different movies. Uh, one of them is called A Drop of Water. And it's about this nurse who has to prepare the body of a dead rich woman one night uh, for the, the cremation the next day. So she's basically sitting up with this woman's dead body for the evening. And over the course of the evening, she gives into the temptation to steal a ring off of the woman's finger. Uh, and then the rest of the, the movie is about uh, the, the payoff is about like what happens once she goes home after having done this. Um, the payoff isn't nearly as good as the super creepy scenes of this woman with this freaky dead body uh, in this house late at night. Uh, and Mario Baba, you know, like those weird Italian movies from the 60s and 70s, like it's got this sort of sickly lurid coloring to it. Yeah. And for the dead body, it's obviously a dummy, but it's this weird, like old lady's face in this weird grimace with these buggy eyes and a fright wig and it just looks uh, scary i mean it's wow. it's really this stuff of nightmares and when you see it as a kid like i think anybody who saw that as a kid has got to remember it um so but i, I did talk about that one in uh uses of a dead body so that's the runner-up for me um well geez that really makes me think of dead calm um because when uh, sam neill's character uh goes into this ship um, that Billy Zane has abandoned to go to his boat. Uh, there's this moment where this torso uh, rolls over and floats up ah. where he's working through the hold of the ship. And uh, I just remember being so struck by him dealing with this corpse, uh, especially because, and this is going to sound, I don't mean this to sound um, lurid in any way, but uh, it was clearly a woman's corpse, uh, and it was clearly pubic hair that you were seeing. Uh, it was this the, the, that part of her body being rolled over and, and surprising him. And how, when I saw that, um, when I saw a dead calm, being so shocked by that, and him having to go through the hold of the ship, and knowing that these floating corpses are the things he's going to find. Uh, so that that's what you just told me, what you what you just described when we think of that. Uh, have you guys ever seen? You made me think of a. This is actually like a made-for-TV movie on ABC back in the seventies, maybe called Devil's Triangle or Bermuda Triangle. Try one. Do you know that? I don't see movies with geometry in the title. <laughs> it's these, these two Coast Guard pilots on a helicopter find. Um, a, a, a yacht that's abandoned. They're, they've been like a mayday call or something. So they go out to rescue him, and and uh, there's a body hoisted up on the what do you call the flagpole on a boat? The mast. Uh, the <laughs> flagpole. <laughs> what do you call a flagpole on a boat? That's awesome. <laughs> he said it so excitedly. There's flags up there. I mean, it's, nailed it. <laughs> Crushed it. Those are called uh, sails, fool. Uh, the sail pole, whatever you want to call it. Sail pole. Uh, but there's a body that's been hoisted up there, hanging by her foot. It's a woman's body. Right. Uh, oh Jesus. So they're like, "Hey, we got to land. We got to find out what's going on here." But there's, for whatever reason, like a storm coming or something. So one of the pilots gets lowered down onto the yacht, while the other one like waits for him. And exploring this yacht, 
he finds, in addition, he goes below deck, uh, and this freaked me out as a kid too. Uh, although I've rewatched it since, and it's still kind of cheesy, but it's still kind of good. And there's a lot of talking in it. Uh, he goes below deck, and he finds a dead body floating in midair. So he, I forget if he freaks out. Like he's, he's part of the movie is about him being rational, not believing in the supernatural. So he goes back, uh, and there's like this mystery: is how could this have happened? Why is this body floating in, in midair? Is there something supernatural here? Uh, and so for, something happens where he gets back in the helicopter and they investigate, and at one point they find out um, that there's a survivor, and is the survivor maybe the devil is what ends up happening. But when they debunk what's happened on the boat, uh, they realize it's not floating in midair. It's just impaled on a swordfish sword that is sticking through from the other side of the wall, and so it looks like it's floating there. Uh and I just remember as a kid, you like you find that and like, oh, it's safe. There's nothing supernatural. But then like it turns out that yeah, the guy is the devil when they rescue him, and he makes them crash their helicopter, and he takes over one of their bodies. Uh, it's goofy. Hmm. But yeah. I just thought of that corpse reveal. Yeah. You just made me think about Wrath of Khan, I, which is a ridiculous thing to think about at this point. But um, when they when they go into the, um, I forget what the name of the ship is. Chris. Um, it's not the Enterprise. No, it's the the reliance or something. It's something like that, and they and and the uh, the crew members have been suspended in the in in like by hooks or something, and they have to like uh, work these chains to bring the crew members who are just left uh, dangling upside down to bleed basically. Um, and and this is the moment before they find the captain of whether it's the Reliant or the Regent or the uh, Replicant, whatever the name of the ship is, uh, before they find him uh, with his bug in his ear, they they have to uh, they have to release these chains to bring these corpses down that are just dangling. Uh, but that's if they just use their matter transporters to do the yeah. Doesn't a, a tricorder? Can't that do it as well? That's not living long or prospering. Uh, all right, other runners up. If not, Dingus, what do you got for us next week? Wait. Oh yes, I, Kelly Wand. Yes, I'm sure there's something zapped you have to tell us about. Uh, super. Speaking of gushy. No, that's just her getting away. Yeah, that's, that's just a special effect. Kelly Wand, you're fired. Special effects don't count? I don't remember that. No, it's not like... Least oh, it's a corpse because... Oh, what a cool death. I mean, that's one of the things I didn't like. Yeah, about. exactly, exactly, Kelly Wand. Kelly Wand, I'm, it, I'm arresting you. What about Norris and the thing? Oh, now you're really under arrest because that's neither human nor humanoid. Hmm. Yeah. It's humanoid. Dingus, get us out of here. What, what is next week's 3 by 3 It just turns us into best murders. All right. Um... Next Travis is your favorite calendars or calendar pages in movies. <laughs> Did you hear that, Tom? Are we taking like uh, anything off the table that we've seen recently? Nope, not taking anything off the table. Hey, I know some of Dingus's picks, at least one of them. I don't I think know. you do. I do. Uh, Dingus, uh, yeah, so uh, Kelly Wand, do you maybe have some questions? Dingus, do you want to field questions from Kelly Wand about the 3x3? Three three? I really do. Yeah. grass on the field. Oh, okay. The laugh there means that I don't want to, but for uh, entertainment value, I certainly will. Oh, did, did, did Christmas shopping inspire this topic? 
What's Christmas? Uh, are you talking about the kitchen uh, thing, kitchen utensil colander? Is that what you're talking about? See what you've done, Dingus. See what what you've opened. Yes. I'm talking about uh, – also, next week we're going to do whisks, and after that we're going to do hand mixers. Uh, Dingus, what if some of the listeners who actually understood the topic might want to participate? Are you, you would like to uh, contribute to the 3x3 three three about calendars or calendar pages, not colanders, like calendars, uh, please write us at 3x3 at quarter to 3 com. That's 3x3 at quarter to 3.com. Uh, next week, Kelly Wan seems to think we're seeing the walk. Uh, the star of brick. Uh, and we could have done Beast of No Nation. Why didn't we think of that? Is That's that, out. It's it, on Netflix. Is that a TV show or is that an actual movie? No, it's Kerry Fukunawa. It's with uh, Idris Elba playing. It's about child soldiers in Africa is all I know. And it's Kerry Fukunawa directing uh, Idris Elba. I've been super excited to see that. Um, uh, but we will we will not be seeing that. We will instead be seeing The Last Witch Hunter. Wow. What? Yeah. All right. What? Kelly okay. Wan said that was okay. You said we were allowed. I'm seeing it in German. It's probably, that's probably the best way to see it. I mean, doesn't Vin Diesel right. look like someone who's would, saying things in German would look all the more fearsome? Yeah, I'm actually excited about it. Although I went into San Andreas excited. Eh, Dwayne Johnson, I can't imagine translating to German as well as Vin Diesel. I'd rather see this than The Walk. That's for goddamn sure. I, don't, I can't believe you were you were going to let us do that. Oh man, it was so close. Thank you. I would have never let that happen. I was, I was just wanting to tease uh, Kelly Wand. Yeah, no, I was wanting Ding- Kelly Wand you to think we were actually going to have to see it for a while as your punishment. I was pretty bummed. Yeah, we would never have to see it. Yeah. I was pretty bummed. I want to say. That's all I know. Need to know about the walk is that accent right there. So he falls, right? Isn't that why it's called the fall? You should see it, Kelly Wand. Let us know. I would like a walk hop. Does, does it take place during nine eleven? Is he trying to do it that day? Now Maybe. you cross the line. Now it's. Uh, uh, yeah. If we're not going to do it, I got to get these in now, don't I? Okay, well, now let's end the show. So uh, before we go too much further, I am Tom Chick. You've been listening to the Quarter Three Movie Podcast. Uh, oh, uh, next week. The Last Witch Hunter, 3 by 3 is Calendars. Now, I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Mislinski. It's Christian Morosky. And we also had Kelly Wand. Does Alderaan count as a corpse? I am standing up the water's edge in my dream. I love this song so much. One of my favorite songs. Every touch, this place is so quiet. Sensing that storm. Where rain is coming down. Where rain is coming down. Uh, Uncle Owen's corpse made me cry, but Aunt Beru's just made me laugh. She's such a bitch. As you can plainly see, I do not speak a word of American. We were calling you gay, and you got so mad you threw the hammer through the sliding glass door. You remember? I don't remember that. Yes, you do. We were calling you gay, boy, and you got so mad. Are you gay now?